This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 185, The Nasroka Alliance Introduction. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Well, sir, uh, I I work for you now. You're my boss. You don't work for me. Let's not pretend. Let's not pretend <laughs> that, even for a second. You don't work for me. You've never worked for me. This has never been no, that kind on. of thing. No, this was, this this is, that's just not how it, how it works. We got it so is, many jokes in when you started full time about you working for, for Daddy Matt. Why don't I get to work for Daddy Hunter? Because we're, because because I'll never be daddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not of this show. I don't want to be daddy of this show, okay? Your daddy, and I'm clearly mommy, and people actually kind of treat it that way. Like, they'll ask me something, and I'll be like, yeah, that might be a good idea, and then they'll go tell you, like, mommy said it was okay, so here's what's happening. You know that's something people do, okay? It probably is. It's very funny. That's uh, literally something people do. They do it the other way, too, though. They, they do it back and forth to both of us. It's like they just know to pit the parents against one another when they want to get something out of both of us. Yeah. In fact, yeah, th- there is a lot of pitting against each other. And I feel like I caught one where it was like we were it was Dutchy errata, which uh-huh. we're going to do. We'll get to it. But we got to hash some stuff out first <laughs> where I had said something wrong, convoluted and wrong, but it was wrong. And you were like, yeah, I think I, I'm, I, yeah, I was thinking he was wrong. And I was like, you can't say that because we make the episodes together. I know. I so stuck you can't by your be side like, until the moment you got called out. It just doesn't make any sense because literally what you do when you say stuff like that is you make it seem like you in your head are disagreeing with me and then letting me be wrong on the show. Yeah. And it doesn't no. make any sense, man. Let's That's actually clear. poor I'll, strategy. I'll be clear. It was... I didn't have the confidence in the moment to say whether or not you were wrong, and I was confused by what you were saying, but I believed in you, and I went, and I was no no wiser to, to get anything right about the situation. See, what happens is I confuse myself with what I'm saying sometimes because, and you should always remember this, uh, listener, I don't really care about the board games being <laughs> that complicated. Like, I don't actually really give a, yeah. a butt like about it at all so like these games are really complex and that's fine for them they like it and i'll hang out with them but i am not myself a complex board game person is that a weird thing for me to say because it's completely true i think people know it no i think everybody that listens to this show knows that we are here teach not teaching uh, explaining complex things to simpletons because we are ourselves simpletons and the only reason we can explain these things is because we didn't know them ourselves and are t- and are describing it to you 
at the maximum of our capability. We are at the top shelf of what, how we can describe, which is why every time we get to a thing where it's like, let's talk about math, you and I are both like, <laughs> uh, no, we right. won't, but actually. You notice now you've switched back to us, we, these types of <laughs> ways of talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if they're, well, if Hunter messed something up, then Hunter messed something up. I mean, that, that'd be, that ain't, ain't got no, anything to do no, with no, me. No, 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 no. If I, I have gotten my own fair share of errata, this was just this one case. Let's talk about the Duchy errata. I, I actually want to address this. This one is from Post. I just, no, I just need to say this before we move on. Yeah. Matt, if, if, if they were, if, if the errata people came to the gates and were like, Matt's gone too far and made a huge mistake, we want, we want him. Give him to us. If the mob showed up, yeah. I would I would die for you. Okay, I would be like we we die as as a as a couple. I'd call us a couple. Okay, in that moment, I would be like we're we're a couple. Okay, maybe uh, maybe it's a thruple even or uh, what would you call? I guess just swingers. I guess is what you would call that. <laughs> oh, the, no, the two please. the two. I'm not saying this is something we're gonna do or have to do or whatever. I'm just putting it out there, but. Uh, I'm just saying I die for you, okay? I'm not going to throw you... There are no... I, I live under the bus, okay? Yeah. I live there. Well, well thank you for saying that. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a hero. <laughs> Let's talk about Postus's, uh duchy errata. Did you say in the episode that you can sway all ministers any number of times, but you only get points for the first three of each type? Because that is definitely not true. You must have a matching crown left on Don't your board to sway. Don't try and put sway, this on post with your, you with can your only voice right now. Is, I want to be clear. This is how I read every single comment on our Discord, which is why I always come in like, <laughs> Shut up! No! That's not what I said! And you can't say I said that! And bleh! Because everything is always in this tone for no reason. You didn't deserve this, but this is how I read it. You must have a matching crown left on your board to sway, which means you can only sway each type of minister three times for a grand total of nine sways maximum over the whole game. This is what we got patently wrong. Yeah, we totally got this wrong. Also, I really like Postus, so I can't I stand too. this voice. Postus rules. No, Postus didn't um, deserve that. That was, that was my internalization coming out. Yeah, yeah, that was your projection. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we yeah we set it wrong. Once you run out of crowns, even crowns for the level that you're on, like if you run out of squire crowns, then you you straight up can't sway anymore. Um, I think I what I was trying to say that I messed up, and then I think got so befuddled that I like forgot the right way uh, because I've literally been in a game where I was commentating and I got this wrong and was corrected by chat. So this is something I've gotten wrong in the past yeah. and been corrected on. But what I was trying to say was you can, you can, if you have a crown, you can re-sway the same minister right. if you lose them. Right. And I don't know how it got to whatever I did say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was just a classic goof. Well, I on, want people to know too, like Hunter and I outline these episodes but then we we talk and and mm -hmm. if you've if you've never done the talking stuff i want you to know it's really easy to mess up and not even realize you've said a thing sometimes we just yeah. steamroll through a sentence and on the other side someone's like what you said a thing and we're like I, didn't, I never said that what are you talking about i don't even think that it's like you definitely said it give me the time code oh i said it <laughs> Why did I say that? I don't know. I don't think that way. I just thought that, I guess, for a split second, and my mouth kept going. So 
that that definitely happens and uh yeah that's what happens when you don't have a uh this isn't a book that we then have multiple editors take a look at (laughs) you know right yeah it's it's it was it was a one and a half man operation and now it's a two man operation (laughs) and that and i wouldn't expect i would have expectations for more stuff but i wouldn't expect a huge jump up in quality i'll tell you that much (laughs) (laughs) there will be no better editorialization it will just be more total things in the barrel yeah yeah just more stuff but not like more accurate we're the like inaccurate (laughs) deep board game people that's like our that's our niche that's what we want to be yeah um uh, yeah. I got I got another rod here from Humble Checkmate. I think you guys are a little hot on the dig action. Maybe I'm crazy, but dig always seems like a necessary evil, not exactly a benefit. But I'd be comfortable with two tunnels on the map and then never using dig again just to beef up the action economy, which Garrick S followed up. A necessary evil is definitely more so how I feel when playing the moles rather than this is amazing. The teleport is nice, but often I'd rather be spending the card and action on something else. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say so much we were hot on dig so much as we, it got pointed out a lot because in crafty corner, there were many abilities, uh, that we would say were not necessary to craft because you could fall back on dig, but I definitely agree. And, and to be fair, we did not make this point that Mm -hmm. humble checkmate and Garrick are making. So I like that they've made it and I like that we've included it here. Um, it is not like it's not a great thing to have to do yeah um basically i completely uh agree with that um because i would rather i would rather not have to do it but it is good that you are able to do it does that make sense yes like it's because it's something you could always say hey well i could dig over here and now i've got access to this whatever it's like it's not something to do frivolously that's actually that's where I'll land. Right. Don't do it. Don't do it for no reason. Do it because you kind of need to do it because yeah. of how things have worked out. It's not don't just be like I like moves. to dig. I'm a dig person. Yeah, that's yeah. how I do it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, we we definitely never meant to overstate this as like a replacement for move and rule. It's just that some t- I think in the same breath you can say it is not worth crafting these movement cards for the same reason it's not worth over digging you're losing cards that you could use for other things yeah it's the same thing so it's like it's like we would rather not lose cards so in crafty corner it kept being like well why would you craft this if if you really needed to do x thing like tunnels or whatever you could just dig which also costs a card but it doesn't cost a specific card you know what i mean like it Dig is just going to cost whatever whatever clearing it is that you're trying to get to. And actually, in a lot of cases, like with... Uh, actually, Tunnels is Rabbit, but one of the ones we talked about was definitely a bird card, which you could just spend to put a tunnel down anyways. Right. And considering that there's a Lord that will help you score some points if you have all three tunnels out, which we, we don't necessarily love to do. But considering that Lord exists, uh, I would maybe just rather have the tunnel out. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's where we actually differ. Is maybe these people are saying no, craft the you know craft tunnels, craft boat right. builders. They didn't say that, but um, maybe maybe that's I, what I they think mean. there's is a point there. Is, is, is at least the craftable goes on for multiple rounds, whereas the tunnel you warp you teleport once with the tunnel. But if I craft yeah. tunnels or I craft river boats, 
then then I'm using it routinely or not river, but whatever it's called. But yeah, I, I can use them over and over and over again. So may, maybe there's some value there. Maybe those cards are better than we gave them credit for in the right yeah. circumstances. Ooh, that's fun. So we take the errata and then we change it into a statement they didn't make and say <laughs> we agree with that so that th- then they can disagree with the yeah, errata. So next that we've week we'll have some made. errata errata for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think... Actually, you know what? Just just a little like I really like it when we get errata that's like you guys said this, I disagree cuz x. Yeah. But when and this is not a criticism really, but just like I don't, I don't know, if I were to give guidance on like what the really effective errata is, when people say things like I think you guys are a little hot on x. Yeah. It's so non-specific that I am a little bit like it's so easy for us to almost like be like, oh, well, I don't know, were we? Because it's like, you now have to make a case like, were we hot or yeah. did it just come up a lot because mm-hmm. we're doing, because of how we do the podcast, basically. Yeah. It makes us talk about things over and over, sometimes in a way where I feel like, oh, are we like overemphasizing this one? This happens all the time, the, by the, the no, way. I mean, literally like, the episode before last, it was the same thing. People were like, I think you guys are hot on the hero. The whole game doesn't revolve around right. the hero. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't. That's ag- absolutely true. The whole game doesn't revolve around the hero. But the hero is where all of the fidelity <laughs> of Nomad comes in. So we end up talking about it a lot. Right, because it's just, because it's a thing that's built into the faction, uh, it, it gets maybe maybe the emphasis starts making people feel like it's because we're talking about it so much it's a thing we must like right but the whole goal is to talk about the things that this faction specifically does so like if it's more of uh like to go to ti a little bit with the nomad there's a lot of generic things that work really well with nomad but if you're a listener of the show, do you need me to kind of say like, also just the normal good stuff is yeah. also good. Right. Or do you need me to explain there's this special consideration because you're just nomad. We need to make sure that you understand this thing. Yeah. Now I put that out there. Like there's an obvious answer. There's there nothing. isn't, I don't know actually. Um, and I've been doing this for a long time and I still don't know. Yeah. But, I think we're yeah. definitely currently like this year leaning a lot more into the what are special considerations and and i think yeah that's going to come up in today's episode we're about to talk about the nas roca alliance uh and i i think there's quite a bit of that in here of like listen the good stuff is still good but i i want to make special mention of the things that are different for you not even necessarily better for you just need to be talked about because we are talking about this faction yeah so let's let's get into that let's talk about the Nas Roca Alliance, uh, which is hot right now. Hunter, oh, NRA is so hot, so hot in the tournament, so hot in the meta. Every, I think everyone's coming around on maybe is NRA the best POK faction? Thoughts? Uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> that was way more immediate than I thought. Okay, yes, we're firmly in the it's the best one. Well, because the other, their only other competition is Titans, and Titans is a uh, boring. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, are you mad now? Titans is boring. <laughs> Got you. Oh, you're so mad. I see you. You're so bad. You. Oh, Titans what? is boring. Well, so for this super strong faction, what are we looking at thematically here? Most agree that the cooperation between the Nas and Roka is an oppressive feat in a galaxy full of suspicion and enmity 
but also agree <laughs> that they wished the Nas and Roka wouldn't brag about it so much. That is such a good little little quote on their thing. They have a tetrarchy. I don't know what a tetrarchy, like a monarchy. They have three. They have three bodies of government. Three bodies. A tetrarchy. Tetrarchy. A tetrarchy. Tetrarchy. Uh, I, I love the Nas Roka lore here, uh, especially because in Prophecy of Kings, what we got is like a bunch of factions that were summoned through time and space, but not the Nas Roka. Nas Roka in, in, in strategic feeling and in lore, they are, they've always been here. They're just another faction. I think Nas yeah. Roka and Argent Flight are the two that the most feel like, oh, those could have been base game factions but easily. isn't argent flight like aren't they like jail or uh, yeah argent flight argent flight has come through the time rift but nasroka was just out there they just weren't very cool yet and now all these special circumstances have made nas the nasroka alliance cool and i just want to clarify it for people who haven't read the back of the faction sheet the nas is the little guy and the roka is the big cat lady oh yeah uh yeah i think this is i i feel like this or nomad is everybody's favorite faction of pok because thematics and also style and just everything these are the coolest additions yeah yeah these are these are i think the most uh immediate in the fun department yeah um and they're not boring like titans <laughs> uh but also like I don't know. I think uh, I think you've got the 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 other factions are a little more niche. Like you, I I, right. I feel like a Argent. I almost called them agents. Argent and Empyrean and Mahawk all have their fans, but right. they're just you know that's the weirdos. Yeah. You know, yeah, the weirdos. Uh, what do we what do we got on the Nasroga starting units? They start with two carriers, three infantry, and a mech. So sort they fulfill two C4I, but one of uh, their infantry is... They're the only faction that starts with a mech. Is that right? That feels right. Um, they also have a destroyer and two fighters. So I would call that a pretty decent starting fleet. I, I see people occasionally complain that the destroyer is not a cruiser. Don't care. Destroyer is good. And you can tech into destroyers at any time. Uh, like destroyer two at any time. And having a trade ship, obviously good. So I, I think this is a solid... Uh, a completely solid starting fleet. Their starting tech is what is Banana Town. It's psychoarchaeology <laughs> and AI development algorithm, which if you know what those two techs read, those are the two tech techs like that let you skip text. So in a weird way, without any of the theme or whatever, I mean, there, there, there is lore that, that reinforces this, but you wouldn't think of the Nasroka as like second to Jolnar in their ability to tech whatever they want whenever they want. Yeah, but they are. They are. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it. you know, if any tech skips that end up in your slice, which we'll talk a lot about the idea that you can explore and find a lot more tech skips, uh, you get to just use those with psychoarchaeology, and you can always skip techs for uh, upgrades with AI development algorithm. And since you start with a red and a green, that specifically means you are opened up to a lot of techs like right from the beginning of the game, especially Cruiser 2 and Destroyer 2. You literally have access to at any point if you want to just if you want to research either of those two, you just can. Um, and we will talk a lot more about that in in like our tech section. Their home system is where things uh, fall apart a little bit. It's two planets, a two one and a 1-2, which gives us a whopping three total resources to start with, and only 
four production capacity at the start of the game. You put a space dock on your 2-1, you can build four units. That is a major production bottleneck uh, and is going to be your primary hurdle in any game with the Nazroka is figuring out what to do about your production problem. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... I feel like without even explaining, yeah. it's it's not the biggest hurdle. I'll right. just say that exactly. It's it, it is your own. It's your only hurdle, but it's kind of like a little molehill that you can yeah. generally sort of just step over. But that you can I, stunt. I don't you know, like Tony Hawk <laughs> style. You can stunt over it. I don't want people to forget about it though. It's very important to yeah, not yeah, yeah. let that go unsolved because that's what's going to be the downfall of your NRA game. Is is the idea that you just never worked on your production bottleneck um they have three commodities which is fine uh and hunter do you have the text of their abilities for me of course yeah 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 i've got so the first one is distant suns when you explore a planet that contains one of your mechs Mm -hmm. you may draw one additional card exploration card that is choose one to resolve and discard the rest I like could say other but it does say rest yeah i don't know if maybe dane future proofed this so that he could do more mechanics that also add additional exploration draws that that's what it feels like but um i like that you put emphasis on the mech there because that is i forget (laughs) in in all my early games with nra i always forget they don't get to just do two explorations it's Mm -hmm. specifically where their mechs are but that also reinforces the idea that your positioning with your mechs is very important to nazaroka because you never want to do an exploration that isn't with two things. I mean, you will, round one and two, but throughout the rest of the game, you're going to do lots of, like, re-exploring. Scanlink is probably a really good tech for you. We're going to get to the agent. You do, you re-explore your slice, but you only ever want to re-explore where you have mechs, which means getting your mechs onto specific planets to camp out for, like, a decent chunk of, chunk of the game is pretty important to you. Yarb. Um, so the other ability is called Fabrication. Uh, it is an action Either purge two of your relic fragments of the same type to gain one relic, or purge one of your relic fragments to gain one command token. This ability could be the first half of that text and still be an amazing ability. (laughs) It did not not need the command counterpoint. I'll point out, we said this in the recent exploration episodes, that uh, having like two uh, white relic fragments means you cannot use them or I mean having three relic having three white relic fragments means you don't have the component action to find a relic uh but the Nazroka overrides this because that component action is on your sheet so it's even with sheet. just two white uh fragments you can get a relic and that is a huge deal uh it makes the relic math crazy for everybody in the game not just you we're about to talk about your promissory note which uh, extends this ability to everyone but also the idea that you as an action purge one fragment to then gain a command counter and then you could in late game rounds use that command counter to stall means that you have maybe one of the best stall potentials in the game like better than a sorrel uh, or if you don't, if you decide whoa, not to stall whoa, whoa. like crazy, you can, uh, you, you, you have one of the best command counter economies in the game. I, I don't think it's better than a Sarl, uh, but it's pretty good. Here's, here's what I'll say. Here's how I'll put it. Is Sarl's always costs them. 
But if you're turning fra fragment into a command counter is a stall that is only value. You haven't lost anything. Yeah. I mean, you've lost the potential for a relic, but by the late game, you generally don't care. And usually your command counter stalls aren't just burning the command counter. It's like, I'm going to do something that isn't my big pivotal move, but I'll do that like last exploration I need to do or whatever. So whereas Asaril stalls are always burning action cards from their hand. Right, but they get mechs for him. Well, like four times, in the last then... round, you've got all four mechs on the table. I mean, yeah, you get those yeah, mechs out fair, really that's fast. Fair. That's fair. It's fair. Maybe you need to move them around, though. And there's always a there's always True. a need to scuttle and move mechs. Or I, actually, can you do that? I don't remember if you, you can. You can. Deploy can be used that way. It just can't be activated. Okay. Or Anyways, uh, you you have crazy stall potential is the point. Maybe it's yes. contentious with a sorrow or a little bit worse, but it's still very high up there with how much you can accomplish. Because there hey, are I games... Mean, if, it, if we were doing a stall tier list, uh, Nazroka and Esarl would really be the only ones to talk about, right? I yes. mean, who else is really right. that good at it? Right, yeah. Uh, so their promissory note is black market forgery, and it is essentially the same thing. Uh, it, it grants other people the ability to purge two fragments for well, a I wanna, relic. Well, let me read it, okay? okay. Sure. <laughs> so it's a promissory note, black market forgery. Um, action, purge two of your relic fragments of the same type to gain one relic, then return this card to the Nazroka player. Yep. People so, knowing yeah. that this promissory note exists means basically nobody ever wants to pay three relic fragments for a relic in your game. Everyone will come to you for black market forgery. Unless they're literally like, there's no way I'm going to be neighbors with them anytime today. I, we have some weird imbalance in the map that just means we're never going to be neighbors. Then maybe I'll do three. But most people come kind of begging to the Nazroka to make some sort of deal work, which then inherently turns you into a very trade-oriented faction, even though you wouldn't think Nazroka seems like exploration and mech-based, but they end up doing some of the most wheeling and dealing at the table. Um, because anytime anybody gets a fragment, there becomes a conversation that has to be had with those players. Yeah, also a game with Nazroka in in the game, every player will feel it because yeah. of the promissory note. And I, I will say, I've never played as Nazroka, um, but feeling them in the game, it, it, it almost happens every single time, right? So I'm like more used to playing games where black market promissory note or black market forgery is in the mix right. than games without it. Yeah, And the dynamic shifts so much because this promissory note is white hot yeah. like it is the hottest note in town I, I have seen people compare it to research agreement and some even say it may even be like as valuable as research agreement i would push back on that research but yeah, it's second it is it is second to research agreement right it, it is it is the number two so so here's what we've already defined about nasroka they are the second, maybe the second most techie faction behind Jolnar. Yep. They have yep, maybe yep, the yep. second best promissory note, second to Jolnar, and they have the second best stalling in the game to Asaro. So, like, we are all, we have established many forms in which this faction is very, very, very good. The other thing, too, I'll say about it reshaping the game is not just in how many deals happen, but how many relics end up on the table, which means, like, as factions, we all change, right? Because a relic feels like an extra faction ability, more or less. And so the mm -hmm. second a bunch of, you know, NRA games, if if a normal game sees something like, let's, I don't know, I'm going to throw out five relics total in the game, right? We, we see five people get relics, which even maybe is high. I don't know. Um, in an NRA game, that is more like 10. Eight to 10 yeah. relics end up in the game when NRA is present. So you, you get way, way more happening, uh, 
So it, it becomes a scarier game. Let's talk about their mechs, uh, the Eidolon the or the Z-Grav Eidolon. Yeah, so um, it starts out as the the Eidolon or Eidolon. What what is it? How do you know. say it? Who cares? <laughs> um, so it's a it's a regular mech. Hits two on a six. Costs two. Uh, has sustain. Uh, however, uh, it's a it's a card that has two sides. What? Uh, wow. And on this side that I'm about to read to you, uh, it says this card begins the game with this side face up. So it starts out like this, and then here's here's the big note. If this unit is in the space area of the active system at the start of a space combat, flip this card. What? Wow. So we flipped it, and then on the other side, it's called the Z-Grav Eidolon. Um, it hits two on an eight, okay. Doesn't have sustained damage, important to note. If this unit is in the space area of the active system, it is also a ship, uh-oh, yeah. at the end of a space battle in the active system, flip this card. So, so you can you know, transport that mech into a, a space area, flip it over, have it fight in space combat, then uh, flip it, flip the card back over and commit it yeah. uh, in the commit ground forces step. So yeah, pretty wild. Pretty, pretty wet and wild. The, the, the popular like way to think about this is a single cruiser two and an, a Z-Grav Eidolon rolls uh, one on a six and two on an eight in space combat, so three pretty decent dice in space combat, and then you invade with a mech that hits two on a six with sustained damage. So like a single cruiser and a mech can be an, an entire invasion force. It's all that you need. This is maybe one of the most viable cruiser two factions in the game. It's like Titans, a couple other things, and then maybe maybe NRA. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call NRA second, although the idea that you are always in reach of cruiser two is definitely a plus you could you could research it round one if you wanted to you don't start I with think, a cruiser but you could do that i think they're a solid third after mentac and titans yes yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think that's totally fair to say but also the thing about uh the nra as we go is uh it's all about how versatile they are right uh, so cruiser two yeah that's something they could do but there's also a lot of things that they could do right. that you'll find out as we uh, go the other thing to note too here, and, and Hunter said it, but is the fact that this mech isn't in space until the start of space combat, and then it's not in space at the end of space combat, which is very specifically bad against PDS. PDS is after movement, before space combat, so your mechs can't soak any hits. They You wouldn't want to soak a hit on the mech anyways, because it doesn't have the, the sustained damage in space, right? So that that's already kind mm -hmm. of a non-factor. But mm -hmm. the this is the one thing that I push back on, like, Cruiser 2 mech crazy snipe squads, right? Is any PDS, and that is completely thwarted. You're done. You, if, if, if one of your neighbors has PDS 2, you will never snipe squad them because yeah. it's too much of a risk to, to put into that. You have to have more ships to be able to take those hits. Now, Matt, I'm going to ask you this as a question. Uh, so how... Can you break down how capacity works with these mechs? Because it might be a little confusing because it says it is also a ship. Yeah. It's like or a it's fighter. A it's a ship. What we have. <laughs> it's a ship that is still, I mean, it, it is essentially like a fighter. It's it's a non-fighter, but it, it exists in that cruiser's capacity still. It, it is notably not the same as Argent Flight's mechs, which can just mm -hmm. kind of hang out. And it's uh it's somewhat different than the nomad mechs, which can take hits but don't contribute to fighting. Right? They they can soak 
sustain damage, but they're not rolling any dice in that space combat. This is almost the opposite of that. You lose your sustained damage, but they get to fight. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Love it. Uh, next up is their flagship, which is called the Viz Elvir, and it makes mechs um, st- stupid. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's actually... So if you just look at the basic stats of it, it's, of course, eight cost. It hits two on a nine. Not good. Move one. Fine. Whatever. Uh, capacity four. So it's bo- boosted up a little bit from standard flagship. However... Here's the big, the big, big part uh, is your mechs in this system roll one additional die during combat. This can get so yeah. stupid. If this flagship is with four mechs and that's it, if that's the whole fleet, you roll two on a nine and then 12 on an eight. 12. 12 dice. 12 dice on an eight. So good. So like, oh yeah, we're kind of afraid of, of taking some damage. Except we're not, because we're going to end the combat in one round, <laughs> in most cases. Right. Uh, so- right, and also just, I mean, like, you you put it out there uh, just to, to emphasize the, yeah. the raw value of You're dice. never going to do just that. Um, yeah, imagine that, but, like, supported correctly, right. and it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. It's so much dice. Yeah. You have so- uh, honestly, I feel like the thing about this flagship that's funny uh, that I, I haven't actually gotten to see yet because of the state of the world right now but seeing this get used to its fullest effect in person would almost make me want to throw it out. Right. You know what I mean? Like the number imagine... of dice the person has to grab. It's like, oh, can I borrow yeah. a couple of your dice? Because I don't <laughs> physically have enough to roll Sorry, of my Sorry, I need own. to roll 12 dice for this. <laughs> like, that's so, that's so ridiculous. Dane, what did you do? Hey, guess what, Hunter? It gets worse because it says in the system and it makes no mention of space combat. So this continues... When you yeah. go to invade on the ground. Right, so now your right. mech's And that's invading. where it gets met. Oh my God, it yeah. gets so messed Three up. Three dice on a six per mech. So each two mechs, you, you brought four mechs. You go with a two planet system. You take four mech, or, you know, two mechs to each of the two planets and they're each rolling six dice <laughs> and both have sustained damage. You can take out almost any defenses. Like maybe Yin and Soul are the only people that can, can withstand right. it for a single round and they're still going to lose let's be clear <laughs> they're still going to yeah. lose the ground combat they just might take out one of your mechs it's yeah. completely disgusting yeah it's it's messed up and i can confirm that i have played as titans and had my home system invaded by this flagship yeah. to devastating effect that yeah. would just make you feel like oh i guess they're not a defensive faction <laughs> okay i <laughs> right. guess titans isn't good at that i thought they were good at it but i, I, I guess not really yeah uh, the, 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 the raw power of this is one of the big reasons we're going to talk a lot about gravity drive later, because gravity drive is the only way we can get our flagship to have more movement. And the idea of limiting our flagship's potential to only one hex movement per like activation. If you get gravity drive on this thing, you are now doing all sorts of dirty business with it. Um, but none of that is to say it's also not a great defensive ship. I don't, I don't love it defensive, but you can see how good it is. If you park the flagship, and let's even just say two mechs in the space above your home system, let's be clear, you have to put the mechs in space. If if a mech is on a planet, you can't activate that space combat ability. You cannot turn it into a Z-Grav idol, and it has to be in space. So if you park your flagship and, like, two mechs above your home system, you get all of that rolling power in space, and sometimes that is enough to to cull off most invasions. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's good. Stupid. Don't it's rely on it though, and especially, I mean, if you have like something like Sardak, where they can just completely ignore the space combat, that means that's two. That's that's mechs that you didn't leave on your planets, and uh, makes your planets even more takeable by anybody. I mean, Sardak is kind of the only faction that can ignore space combat, but it's definitely worth mentioning, and even more so if the person can bring enough like soak or can bring enough pre-damage of their own you know an extra flagship mentac with some pre-fire there are abilities that can get around uh your flagship mech combo so if you don't have enough there this isn't foolproof and then it leaves your planets decently well undefended so it's very very good but i don't want to overstate how good it is and make it sound like it's a necro flagship at home where it's like oh yeah no, you just crush with this yeah it requires some setup and I, I think it is kind of obvious what that setup yep. is. It's very much about coordinating where the mechs are. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think this makes sense. Yeah. Let's get into their leaders. Cool. Um, so their agent uh, is Garve and Gun, uh, <laughs> probably the cutest of the agents, although it's there. there's a lot of cuteness here uh, in the art. Um, so Garve and Gun reads, at the end of a player's turn, you may exhaust this card to allow that player to explore one of their planets. Yep. So this is any planet that you have. Um, this is one of those things where the idea is we, when we use it on ourselves, we're intending to use it on the planet that has one of our mechs on it. Uh, and then we get a double explore. It's just an extra explore per round. I, I, I can see you selling this every now and then, but honestly, you get so, so, so much more value out of it because of the double explore on your own mm -hmm, mechs. Mm -hmm. Somebody else just exploring one planet one time is it's hard to get paid how much you need to be paid for losing access to that ability yourself um right. so you're really only doing it when you have to get into like weird shenanigans with somebody of like wind slaying or something but but generally this is yours this is your ability that you use on yourself all the time um well once once per round and um it's it's quite good um and it especially gets good when we get to our technology prefab arcologies but i i i can't say that this is um something that I, I like this is this isn't hunter's law i'm not using it like all the time or whatever but it definitely is a major factor in this faction um and technically you could survive on just it alone you never have to research more explore technologies if you don't want to you could survive and get enough exploration done just with this agent and the commander which we're about to talk about yeah especially if we're if we're capitalizing on the mech yeah uh, aspect every single time um, okay, so Commander, the unlock, uh, pretty easy. Have mechs in three systems. Um, probably not something you're going to accomplish on round one, but definitely not the most difficult unlock. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, this is, so Dart and Tie, actually, you know what? Oh, man, Dart and Tie might be the cutest. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, on Dart and Tie, the little guy on the back is pointing at something uh -huh. in a way that is just so, so adorable. Satisfying. And he's got the little eyepiece. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, all right, all right. I think it's Dart and Tie is the <laughs> cutest, but we'll we'll see. Um, so after you gain control of a planet that was controlled by another player, you may explore that planet. Kind of a little underwhelming, I feel like, as yeah, a commander does. But they're pretty great anyway. It, what it does is it, it leans into this idea of like, well, I guess I gotta get really aggressive with these mechs, huh? If I can take territory really, really well and then immediately continue to explore it and get maybe more frontline infantry or more fragments or I guess mm -hmm. attachments. Attachments is where it gets weird. If I'm going deep into enemy lines and then like making attachments that I may not be able to hold, I don't love that. Um, but everything else, there is 
little hints we're starting to get of being really, really aggressive as Nasroka has some viability. Um, the other thing you noted, Hunter, is the three, the, the mechs and three systems. It isn't that hard, but I want to make really clear, too, I think with POK still being really fresh, uh, we get really excited for commanders, and we make an effort to get them done as quickly as possible. Like, I, if I, I want to unlock my commander round one. You absolutely have no reason to do that. You barely have a reason to unlock your commander in round two, because you are not using this ability until you start trying to dig into other people's stuff. So... The idea that you can just, I mean, as you naturally build your mechs, this will happen to you, and that's when that ability will become relevant, that is all fine. There is no need to stress yourself out. I, I did that in multiple games. I was like, I gotta get, round one, I'm gonna make sure these mechs all hit the table, and then found myself being, like, stupefied at how useless that was. I, I had all these mechs, and I had this commander I just wasn't using for any reason. Yeah, I want to be clear. I think the commander is cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like that they already have enough going for them. They didn't need yeah. their commander to be like wicked awesome. And and it is it is going to be uh, in certain situations really fun. Like imagine you, you have um, a cultural planet as your equidistant. You take it from your neighbor with a mech. Uh, guess what? You found the DMZ. Now you get to keep it forever. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. That's cool. Well, oh man, we're going to talk about DMZ later too. Like much, yeah, much yeah. later. It's going to be like an hour and 45 minutes from now that we talk about DMZ, but we're, we're going to talk about DMZ. Don't worry. Let's talk about the Alliance, right? If we give this commander to somebody else, uh, I, I find a lot of difficulty in figuring out what price to set at this Alliance because it greatly depends on who you are giving it to. Giving SAR the ability to explore as they go, as they steamroll through someone else's slice, they need to pay you a lot. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot, a lot. If anything, you shouldn't let them have access to this ability. But someone like, I don't know, I'm throwing out Nalu because they don't seem especially, like, I'm gonna go swallow someone else whole. Factions like that that kind of sit and hang out and play a little bit more defensive, they don't even want your alliance. So it gets really hard to figure out how to get this alliance into somebody else's hands and if you even want to. Do you want other people doing exploration all game long or do you want all that exploration for yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to figure though because the more other players explore, the more they might get uh, enough fragments to want to buy black yeah. market forgery. So there's like, I know. there's kind of a... a uh, turtles on turtles kind of situation here or enough fragments that they want to sell you their fragments it goes both yeah. ways it's just like more fragments on the table is good which is why i do still think that this commander uh is nice to just get out to whoever you can um sometimes it's a decent one to just break <laughs> like get give it to someone and you know that they don't need it for long but it's like hey listen if you need this for like a round i get it come use it and then like when you gotta attack me it's fine this isn't like a game i know this isn't a game long line so you don't need this forever and it's not going to be a big deal um, yeah, I think because of your mechs, you have m obviously more of an opportunity to make this work effectively yeah. than anyone else does. Right. Uh, I, I I agree with you that Sar is probably positioned to get a lot of value out of it, but I feel like I feel like because it's like a roulette thing, it's just like a, let's see what you get kind of thing. I think it would be hard to sell it for yeah. a high price yeah. because you don't know what you're going to get out of it. Exactly. Yeah, it, it can be really tough to sell. Now, we've been talking about the Alliance. Just to kick back one more thing on the Commander 2 that we haven't talked about and I don't want you to think we're not going to talk about. There's some Commander stuff here that gets crazy. Um, with prefab or with like integrated economy and prefab, there are, there are worlds where the Commander does 
work, and we're going oh, to wow, get into yeah. that stuff. It, it gets actually quite terrifying what Nazroka is capable of, but I think in your average game of Nazroka, you're not going to see the commander pop off like a ton of times. But there are games where that becomes like your whole strategy, and and, wow. and very valid. Yeah, it gets real, real terrifying, real fast. I didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> integrated economy is just like it's like the. I love seeing it now. It feels uh-huh. like it's got it got a hair better, and I'm seeing it more, and it has more fun combos. Yeah. Um, are you ready for that hero? Kimmy, the hero. Okay, so, oh, wait. The, uh, I think this one might be the cutest, actually, uh, because the little guy on yeah, the back. I know. He's like, he's like, he's yawning. He's like, oh, oh, it's, actually, is that what he's doing? Because it actually know. would be weird if he's yawning. Is he doing this like a like war the cry? Thing. Like, rah, 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 Oh, that would be cute too. So there's a lot of cute options. Anyways, it's called Perfect Synthesis, and I think it's the cutest one. Anyways, <laughs> um, we won't be seeing more, so this will have to be the cutest. Um, so it's an action: gain one relic and perform the secondary ability of up to two readied or unchosen strategy cards. During this action, spend command tokens from your reinforcements instead of your strategy pool then purge this card yeah this one is really really good and it follows a lot of the normal uh lines of logic that we saw with relics which is like you should try to get it done early you know you want to know what relics you have there aren't that many relics that are just like oh i want to do that in the final final moments it's like no you you need to know what relics you have that has a little bit of push and pull with the idea that you can do two secondaries um, I don't I don't want to like go crazy at length here, but to think about the secondaries you could do here, leadership feels a little bit useless. Uh, occasionally you might need to do it, especially if leadership didn't get picked at all. Uh, then it becomes important that this might save your round where everyone else is going to struggle with command counters. The unchosen versus the readied aspect of this is the big deal. Um, if you are cho- if you are picking an unchosen strategy card, that is probably almost always some sort of benefit. If it's a unreadied strategy card, it gets really weird. I mean, a readied strategy card, it gets really weird. Um, and, and that's also a, a logic to like why when you do this, you, you generally do it as like your first action in a round before people have popped any of their strategy cards because you need to do it before someone else has exhausted it. So, but the ones of special mention are Diplo. Um, sometimes refreshing two planets means you're now going to score uh, some sort of spend objective at the right timing. Politics doesn't seem like a big deal. Getting two action cards, that's if you don't have anything better to do. Construction Mm -hmm. isn't very good, except for when it's great because the fifth objective was a structure objective and this gets you the final structure you need for that objective. Then construction is a huge deal. Uh, And... uh, Oh, but I want to mention, you don't... this. Because you're spending from the reinforcements, you still have to lock down. Yes, correct. you do. You yeah. have to think okay. about that, and, and, and that's a big factor in where you end up putting that. But generally speaking, by the time you're doing this, there's some system in your hex where it's like, well, I can throw a PDS over right, there. Right, right. I just wanted to... Yeah, it definitely yeah, I just matters. wanted to make sure. Yeah. Uh, trade, useless. Don't do it. You don't need to just replenish your commodities. I mean, you could, and if it really makes the, or breaks something, but it, you're almost never going to do trade. Warfare can be very, very good if you're using this at a time when you're starting to get ahead of the pack and you need to reinforce home. I get it. That that can be very useful. Uh, tech is your best bet. Tech getting an extra tech, even if it's going, even if it was drawn this round, that means you're going to get like tech, and then you're going to do the secondary attack later this round and get ahead on tech. This is another aspect that makes Nazroka a really good tech faction. Is they have all these ways to skip around and never get useless tech, and they're going to 
be able to do this ability to probably get one extra tech per the course of the game. And we're going to talk about Maw Worlds later too, but like they have all these weird tech advantages. And then the last one is Imperial. Imperial is obviously also great to draw a secret objective. Sometimes by the time you're ready to pop this hero, you actually have really great secrets in hand and don't need to do it. So that's give and take. But usually, usually it's like tech and Imperial that you use on the hero. Right. Yeah, I like it because it's like, because you get to do two, uh, it feels like you're always going to get to uh, do the secondary of at least one strategy card. That's kind of like a luxury pick, which yeah. is probably going to be tech most of the time. Tech is like the ultimate uh, luxury. Um, but the fact that it's two means that you could also, yeah, g use one to go after uh, an objective, kind of do a boring one, a construction, yep. uh, an imperial if you got a bad secret. Right. And then also tech on top of that, or even a diplomacy, have more stuff, or a warfare, build more stuff. Uh, yeah, you always get you always get a little luxury out of it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. And the best idea of it, too, is sometimes it's a secondary you were going to do anyways, and now you just don't have to spend a command counter, right? I, I had Ooh, that in yeah. a recent game where I needed to do warfare, and it's like, oh, thank goodness. I can just save that command counter and use it on something else. I can do some other strategy right. card I wasn't going to get to do because I can just go ahead and pop warfare right now. Yeah, and it's warfare on your timing, exactly. which is cool. Yeah. Uh, let's get into their faction tech. Yeah, okay, so the first one uh, is called Supercharge. Uh, it is a level one red, so it, it you need one one red to get it. Which you start with. Um, so you can get this yeah, any you time. Start with. Yeah, so you're, you're qualified for this. It may as well cost nothing. You're right, that's a good point. Um, at the start of a combat round, you may exhaust this card to apply plus one to, to the result of each of your unit's combat rolls during this combat round. Yes, okay. This is a funny one to talk about because I think at first glance is bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, Sardak has this ability forever and always. Uh, you can get it for a single combat round plus one. whoop de diddly mm -hmm. do. Who cares? Um, but let's keep in mind that like that flagship with four mechs jumping into a system and killing everything in one single combat round is definitely a thing. And this makes it even better. <laughs> You can't like right. that. That cannot be overlooked. So I'm not going to we're not going to talk a lot about supercharge when we get into like the tech section. But similar to the cruiser two and destroyer two uh, consideration, you always have access to this. And there are definitely games where in like round four or five, you research this because it's going to make or break the big plans you have for your final round activations. Right. The, the, the idea that you can swoop in and win some combats you otherwise wouldn't have won make this worth it. I'm almost never researching this round ones through three, though. Yeah. Honestly, I think I, I wish that biostims worked in such a way to where you could use supercharge on like Multiple more than rounds. once. Yeah. Yeah. But you, biostims triggers at the end of your turn, so you're never going to get to use it twice in a combat. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I guess if you already had biostims, maybe it's a little bit better. I don't know. I, I, I think I've seen it be used to devastating effect, right. and that's that. That's why I, I don't feel like just saying, oh, it's bad and just moving on. Um, but I also feel like it's a weird horse to bet on. Yeah. Like if you're getting this round one or round two, like that's just kind of a, that's yeah. a weird shot. 
to call. Well, and the bigger thing too is we have some really specific tech path considerations we're making, um, and we really only have enough time to get the necessary tech, and this is absolutely a luxury. And if we think about if we're trying to incorporate supercharge into our tech path, what does that mean? Okay, we start with a red. We're getting another red. Does this mean we're going for war suns? Do I really need plus one on my war sun? No, that seems stupid and, and useless. Yeah. Um, sure. Do I need plus one on my mechs in a ground combat? It only helps a little bit. We aren't a big fighter faction, which means like the idea with a plus one is the more units you can apply it to, the better. Right. And we're not necessarily that kind of a faction. So I just question the the validity of getting a plus one and how much it's really going to change our, our odds in any given yeah. combat. It's a weird tech because it's an exhaustible plus one that yep. I feel like only really shines when you have those mechs in the flagship yep. in the space combat. Not even on the ground. On right. the ground, you shouldn't need it. But in space, it could be yeah, a big I guess. Deal. Yeah, it could be. Could yeah. be. Uh, what's their What's their other tech? Because it's uh, maybe the, the, the their other tech could be a basis of an entire episode. <laughs> we could do a second full Ooh. guide about Nazroka. Yeah. Um, so the other one is called Prefab arcologies not archaeologies i'm told but arcologies <laughs> and i'm told this by looking at the word but um <laughs> so this is a three green a little pricey um after you explore a planet ready that planet uh-oh yeah. spaghettio uh -oh, spaghettio is right okay what does this mean so when we if we get prefab arcologies what does it interact with it interacts with our agent we could just ready a planet at the end of our turn so, like, we could build, spend a planet, explore it with with uh, Garvin Gun, and ready it, and be able to use that planet again later. Okay. We can also use ScanLink technology, uh, ScanLink, whatever. We, we, we can ScanLink a planet, so at the beginning of our turn, we could ready a planet, and then spend it during the production step of that turn. Okay, that seems also very good. Third, we can have our commander and just take people's stuff explore those planets because we have our commander and immediately ready them and if we have prefab and integrated economy we can ready it and then get the planet for full value and i believe you can spend the planet itself for the build you do on the planet milty hit oh. me up but that i believe that works we've talked there's been a lot of talk in the discord about prefab and integrated and and i believe it sings i believe it works but you're talking about going three deep in green and three deep in yellow there. Well, you're not going to do that unless you got Maul World, so whatever. But just, I want, the thing I want to talk about with prefab arcologies before we get into like actual big long tech path conversations is the idea that this is good. This is a great tech, but also it's not always a fun tech uh, because it adds this like extra layer of considering timings and when you will and won't refresh a planet and how you will then be able to utilize that planet, this destroys me in games. As, as mm -hmm. an analysis paralysis player, the idea that I want to try to optimize prefab arcologies breaks me as a person and makes makes the game not fun. Um, so, so those of you that are a weak of mind like I am, may just not want to do prefab because it's too much to think about, even though it is undeniably a good technology. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about it when we get uh, to tech paths. Yeah. Also, I just want to mention, um, we've been talking about the length of these episodes. I know. 
And uh, I've written these last couple POK guides. This is the first POK guide that you've written. And also, I think it will be our first three-hour episode <laughs> at the rate you are going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm front-loading it. I'll, I'll try to oh, burn. Oh, no, you're good. You're, I'll try to burn great. through the rest. It's not great. I'm gonna... No, and, we're, and we are not going to burn through the rest. So get comfortable. <laughs> Take a seat. Oh my God. Smoke your corncob pipe, whatever you do, you know? Get, get your loungewear on. And put the fire on. I feel on. a lot of pressure these days to get this stuff right. So I'm just like unwilling to leave any stone unturned. And so getting through this introduction, we literally have only in overviewed the components and it's been 55 minutes. Yeah, I'm bringing this up because do we want to go ahead and do the ad break now? <laughs> we were going to do it late. I don't know. I don't know when the right time to do an ad break is. Let's do an ad break right now. Why not? Okay, I don't, I don't know that you actually heard an ad there. Uh, if you're listening to this right away, you probably, you probably didn't. But I don't know. Maybe someday you heard a, another new ad. But let's. Um, whew, I have five, four, four or five more sections to get through of this guide. So uh, let's, let's do it, Hunter. Let's, let's talk about strategy cards. You want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about strategy cards. Okay, let's burn Walk through, through these. All right, first off, uh, leadership, which I've said is, uh, yeah, if we're mean, if we're really mean, we like leadership uh, because your command counter economy already rules. Uh, at any time, you can take a relic fragment, boom, turn it into a command counter, which means we can just kind of keep up. We could we could almost never take leadership. I, we talked about this in a, in a recent um, episode of like, I have this idea of a relicless NRA. I'm not proposing that. It's a goofy, stupid idea. But you could go relicless NRA and never take leadership. But if you take leadership and still have lots of stalls, really at any point in the game, but especially like mid and late game, you can very, very, very easily stall out leadership to where everybody has to pass, then play leadership, get all your command counters, and continue to take lots and lots of actions. So leadership becomes this thing where it's like you never need it, it's always fine to take. More command counters never hurts your game. And if you see a round where you can crush some people with it, it might be worth doing. If someone only put a single tactics in their, uh, a single command counter in their tactics area, and you don't see very many stalls available to them, you could ruin their round three by taking leadership yourself. Yeah, I, I just want to ask though, how often in a normal game of NRA are you going to cash in Relic Fragments? For uh, command tokens. Uh, my rule of thumb, we're going to talk about this later. I honestly, I like getting three relics and then kind of letting it sit and, and the rest become command counters unless it is obvious. Unless like you really all of a sudden stockpile a bunch of cultural fragments. It's like, oh, I could just do a relic. But I, I really like to get three relics early, determine my game, and then go, all right, mm -hmm. the rest of these are command counters. Because my my final round can be ridiculous if I stockpile command counters. And you don't need more than three relics unless you are specifically searching for something like Shard of the Throne or Crown of Amphidia, right? Unless you're looking for points, after round two or three, how much are relics really going to change your game? The whole thing that we've talked about this whole time is the idea that relics are good early and not necessarily always game-changing late game. So if you start getting some relics that aren't good late game in the late game, what are you doing? You could have used all of those as stalls and command counters. So mm -hmm. I, I think the most potent 
is a is obviously like a round five leadership take because first off leadership means you're first in scoring order in round five but also you're going to stall a lot of people out of their command counter economy in round five if they didn't plan for you to do this to them and if you if you had a stockpile of like four relic fragments you are going to hurt some people with that round five leadership grab for sure yeah that's interesting uh i i like i like the the proposition of it i'm 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 more curious though if if this how well this plays out over the course of a game like like in the early game i would assume you don't want to throw your fragments into your cc economy not so specifically i don't i don't think it, it's not a round two thing right you're not doing this round mm -hmm. two. round three maybe and honestly that's generally because even in round three sometimes people are just command counter starved like you know how you always go into round two and it's just like i'm just making it work here Mm -hmm. That can happen in round three, too. And sometimes you can look at the start of the round and see what people are dealing with. And it's like you barely even have to stall to make it work. Right. And sometimes it's not even command counter stalling. Sometimes you have enough relic fragments to stall making relics, which is even more value. Right. So so you you stall all game long if you really want to or need to. So I, I, I think that there's value in it kind of at any step. And even if it's only hitting one person. It may be worth doing because, again, gaining command counters for yourself is still valuable. Um, yeah. So it's it's there's no negatives to this except for a little bit of ire, depending on who you're hurting. Okay, so just to just to sum it up real quick for the infographic that will be sure um, from, from Scott Baron from from what's, John Moss. What's our infographic? Yeah, break down my early, mid, late. Uh, early, eh, nah. I I don't want it. There's a lot of other things I'd rather have. Honestly, and, and round one specifically, I'd probably rather get construction than leadership, which is weird, but like solving, we're going to talk about construction later, but solving my production issue as fast as possible is a big mm -hmm. deal. So sometimes I just don't care about leadership round one. Uh, mid game, it's like, hey, if you see the chance for it. And then late game, it's a big deal. Like round five, it's definitely a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Diplo. I'm calling sometimes necessary. I don't have any affinity for Diplo as Nasroka. Um, especially if we got prefab arcologies, we're refreshing any planet we want to anyways. So what do I need Diplo for? Like what is Diplo right. accomplishing for me? The idea that I'm going to spend a single planet like three times in one round. I don't know how I have the action economy to do that. I don't know what I'm spending it on uh, to, to do that. Um, it, it certainly can come up, especially with lots of economic objectives. But generally speaking, you know when you need Diplo and there are no special considerations for Nazroka. There's no goofy gimmicks that you're pulling off with Nazroka that I can that I can think of. Yeah, and we start with psychoarchaeology, so the classic round one right. refresh the tech skip thing is not a factor. Exactly. So. Yeah. There's just there's nothing going on here that we need Diplo for. Uh politics, I'm calling standard, still no special considerations. I don't consider us a Mechatol Rex faction, although you absolutely can be. Um if round one you can build a cruiser, um, and then get cruiser two. I mean you could take Mechatol Rex round one or two um with with that stuff you know a single cruiser two with one infantry coming from home can get to mechatol rex and if you have the six influence cool you did it um but i i th the big problem with mechatol rex is and the reason i'm saying mechatol rex is the idea that you do politics round one into something like leadership round two to nab it right right but Just we don't it really need to do that especially because we can't explore mechatol rex mechatol rex doesn't have a trait <laughs> so 
it doesn't play to our and and we have decent command counter economy so we don't need the one six it never hurts but we don't need mechatol and we have so many other things we want to do in our own slice with like re-exploring our stuff that mechatol is good but not necessary so it's more or less look at the other factions of the table and see what you're competing against with mechatol and whether it's worth rushing something like cruiser 2 or if you have the blue skip for an early grab drive maybe it's valid but if you don't have the blue skip or cruiser 2 you're not getting a mechatol rex first anyways so i don't care about politics round one generally uh mm -hmm. outside of that nasroka is a really solid faction all game long which means a lot of times in the final round the only thing holding you back is your speaker order which i mean i feel like we kind of know this generally about the game is like if you can kind of bogard the speaker token the last two or even three rounds that is generally beneficial to you nasroka that's especially potent because like economically and plastic wise you're always in a good position so you have decent odds as long as you control the speaker token yeah okay so it sounds like it's kind of middling at the beginning yeah. like it's questionable yeah it's not horrible but just kind of like up in the air yep and then after that it's standard yeah yeah just just standard i'll also say this much sometimes we like doing the secondary more because we're almost never getting neural motivator for any ex extra action cards so like our main action card economy comes from doing politics whether it's the primary or the secondary but because i can do the secondary and get the same amount of action cards i would almost rather somebody else take politics and find okay. a way to buy the speaker token or something selling black market forgery for the speaker token Bam, you never had to take politics yourself. You got something else and got all the benefits of having politics. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. Next up is construction. Um, I, I list construction as probably once. You might need construction one time um, and then never again. But we have that 2-1, which is our only space dock at the start of the game. We absolutely have to fix that problem. Um, and we don't feel bad taking construction round one you can double dock at home i've done it in multiple games and i never hated it but obviously double docking some forward better system would be way cooler especially because we could make that better system even better if it's a biz freya and we get you know a lucky attachment to make it even better that is going to be super 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 juicy and we're going to talk even more about the idea that we really want a forward dock because we want to maximize the potential of a single activation which means activating a system scan linking to explore it and then also building there and not having to do those as two separate action and wasting ah. a command token so yes, a little bit of the titans play exactly a little bit of titans is what nra feels so we, we very much are interested in a forward dock if not two in the same system um because that's the be best way to to fix our production bottleneck um and other than that, we're not really a PDS faction, so it's not like I'm trying to do the secondary of construction a bunch after that, although obviously the general consideration of keep yourself in range of the objectives is nice. But also, you get so many relics, you might get that new structure agent. And so then you just kind of especially don't care about construction. So your, game, your, your mileage may vary. Something might happen in your game that changes all of this. Cool, cool. Next up is trade. Uh, trade, I'm saying, especially early, we love it. Man, the first couple rounds, it is such a big deal. Uh, the reason for this is the pacing 
of how relic fragments come out is basically they all hit the table around one and two while everyone is getting their slices and doing those initial neutral planet explorations. So then you get to look at the lay of the land and see how many riches are out there. And then the rest of the game, it's like a slow trickle of relic fragments that you're on the hunt for. But if you get trade round one or two, that gives you the money to buy relic fragments. But honestly, even the flip side, somebody else, ha if your neighbor has trade and they get relic fragments, or uh, it, you get relic fragments, that means they have money to pay you for relic fragments and black market forgery. So you are involved in trade, whether you have the trade strategy card or not. Having the tra nice. trade strategy card just gives you more leverage, basically. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think I, one of the, I think the thing that we're really kind of uh, emphasizing here is that Nazroka is pretty good at a lot of things yeah. and then the best at like one thing right. essentially. I want to even stress here the idea that like like we'll we'll talk about like scanlink and all this stuff and like how much you might be exploring your own slice but just a reminder that you don't have to explore every relic fragment for yourself because <laughs> you can just buy right. them from other people. Right. So that's when trade becomes even more valuable if you're if you're playing a really less exploration focused and more trade oriented Nazroka then like that is completely valid and you just spend a couple bucks here and there on fragments as as you can get them cool yeah yeah yeah. that makes sense uh warfare uh is kind of my favorite all game long which i know just recently we started talking about warfare is like we're, we're feeling less hot on it because are you giving everyone else more than you're getting yourself but in Nazroka's case I'm unactivating a system I could re-explore or mo move those units somewhere else to explore. Like, there is more that I'm getting out of a single activation than most people because I'm activating, taking a planet, and also exploring, right? So Warfare has this slightly added advantage to it. And even outside of aggressive meta, outside of taking someone's stuff and using my commander to explore their stuff, it lets me re-explore that juicy... Uh, space dock in m the center of my slice or whatever, right? My, my big forward base, I can just keep hitting it and Warfare lets me hit it twice in a round if I really, really need to or whatever. Um, so it's not always exactly what you need. You don't take it every single chance you can, but you should mm -hmm. always consider it. You should always, if, if it is available, you should look at the board and go, is this a decent opportunity for Warfare or is there anything better I can do? But I think Warfare always deserves consideration no matter what kind of uh, NRA you're playing would you uh would you take it round one if you were early in the order I would with Plus the with the right slice obviously uh this is something Hunter I think that you just generally won't like because it's spreading yourself thin but with the right attachments or the right whatever spreading yourself thin round one to get major economic boons could you could fix that round two very, very easily. So I don't mind having warfare to then take my entire slice round one. And then round two, I spend my energy re-fortifying my slice and just making sure everything is safe. Um, the idea right, of I'm warfare, move forward, let construction pop, put a space dock in that forward dock position and then unlock and spread out and then build in that, in that new space dock. Like mm -hmm. there's not that many problems there that can arise. Yeah. Uh, all I want to say is that, again, I think it's a situation where I would probably rather have the secondary because if, if you you do the secondary of Warfare Round 1, right, you could place another mech down. And if the timing isn't bad, that would mean you get another of your early game explorations is 
you know, daddy's choice yeah. versus daddy gets what he gets. The, the inhibiting you know? factor there is you don't have mobility round one. So unless you have three systems adjacent to home, doing the secondary warfare probably doesn't gain you anything. Because yeah, you're building I mean, at you... home and then not getting it anywhere new. Oh, interesting. Because well, you I, have I'm two a... carriers. You're going, let's say you're going forward right, yeah. and you have one system to your right. That's all you were going to explore anyways. Yeah, exactly. But 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 you get an extra one where you get to choose. I guess I'm kind of confused as to you're, what. You're, you're saying you're, the you're... extra mech to get out there. I agree with that. I'm a little bit afraid of if the warfare timing actually works out for me to get that mech at the right time, which is certainly possible. I have an activation, and then I can do my strategy card. Maybe I can stall with a relic, whatever. All of that makes sense to me, and I and I, I don't think you're wrong, Hunter. I, I think that is probably the standard way to play. I mean, if, I, I, I'm not desperate to get warfare run, round one. I just like it a little bit more than we are currently liking warfare whereas most okay. factions i don't see the value the I'll, I'll sell you on the other idea i don't i don't mind it is the faster i can determine my first three relics i think the better because you are actually defining your faction by your first three relics that might change what kind of faction you are if you get two extra commodities ooh, i'm a new i'm a five commodity faction now that's different i'm playing a different game if i get the yeah. right economic relics right away then I, I can do a lot with that information for the rest of the game. The longer it takes me to get my first few relics, the more annoying I have to decide if I'm continuing to try to get relics or if I if I start transitioning into other goals, because you do have other goals besides just getting relics all game. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I, but before we move on from it, I just mean because... I, I I could imagine someone listening and being like, well, it seems like Hunter is splitting a hair that doesn't really make any sense because mm -hmm. you do the warfare primary, you get, you're you probably going to do it on wherever you sent the mech, right? So you're going to get, the mech is going to get to explore twice on round one. Uh, to me, the idea of having two mechs out going into round two and meaning that that mech is, these mechs are going to get to explore even more planets with choice is kind of more yeah. the way I'm thinking about it, more as a sp spiraling out from their thing. I agree. Um, I, I do think there's a world where you still get the two mechs out because if you can warfare out and then move two again and then build at your forward dock and put a mech there, now that mech isn't at home just like it wasn't when you did the secondary. I think you end up in the same position with an extra planet. Yeah, that's fair. Warfare. Maybe. Stretched a little bit thinner, but with an extra planet that might have been worth it. I don't know. Okay. Um, check your slice, basically. Uh, technology... Um, game long, I call it hopeful. Uh, there's some things we have to do, which means like rounds one, two, maybe even into round three, we need to get technology once if we can. Um, I've had plenty of games though where I never got to get technology because everybody loves technology these days. So if you're if you're sixth pick round one, give up. Nope, you're not getting technology in the first three rounds. It's not happening. Speaker token will not get close enough to you, and technology is like first or second pick. It feels like every single round. So mm -hmm. it happens that you just don't see technology, which means you definitely need to be doing the secondary technology constantly. You have a lot of technology needs and you have a lot of luxuries that go a long, long, long way, like lo further than a lot of other factions luxuries go, if that makes any sense. Normally we would say like a win more technology. Is that worth getting? With NRA, the win more technologies are still worth getting if you can get your hand on them. Um, so technology is like thumbs up, a plus very good all game long no matter what in my view yeah i mean just the fact that you have the two skipper yep uh 
uh, it's it's just a ridiculous start, and I feel like makes we'll get to the tech section, but I feel like it uh, would be impossible to to write actually yeah. what you could do with tech because yeah. they would maybe be able to do everything. Right. Uh, last up, obviously, Imperial is just yep. It's it is as good as ever. Um, we have an above average chance of getting the Obsidian Relic, where we can get a fourth secret um mm -hmm. and we can you know we have a we have a healthy command counter economy which means we can kind of always do the secondary of imperial if we want to um so all of that stuff means like i don't necessarily need to take imperial um but there are obviously big rounds where you can do really fancy stuff with imperial especially once you get uh prefab arcologies and like spend objectives are out there you can do other more difficult objectives in the round and then explore those planets get the money back and then spend them on an objective in the status phase you have so much more flexibility with that kind of stuff than any other faction in the game again only with prefab uh but even within that uh the idea that you go into a final round with four secret objectives that are like all action phases. I've seen that and heard people talk about that on multiple occasions. Like it definitely happens with Nasroka that they just get all of the best uh, secret objectives. It, it can be annoying <laughs> to hear people talk about like, well, you just get all the best secret objectives in the game and then you win. But right. also you get that you get secret objectives. Well, um, so even if you're just doing the, uh, the, the primary again, I don't, I still don't feel like Nasroka is a Mechatol faction. And when you're taking Imperial, you're trying to score multiple stage ones that you are bending the wills of economies to work with and then getting your secret objective hand to be like all A plus hits, essentially. Yeah. Um, so what about last your last pick round one? Do you, t you, do you take Imperial? Is that what you're saying or no? If 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 the likely scenario where construction is available and I'm sixth pick, I'm taking construction because, because the, sure. the forward dock is more important than well, let's say it's getting not. ahead. Let's, on let's say a, a truck, a, a tractor, <laughs> a structure uh, objective came out. Yeah. And so it got picked early. It's what, maybe like leadership diplomacy and Imperial round one possibly. Yeah. Cause you were kind of talking about leadership, not really being yeah. that important in the early game. So, I mean, is there a, it's, is there a place for last pick Imperial? I mean, maybe it's really hard for me still to decide that Imperial is a round one pick ever. I don't think I'm just personally there yet. I think Hunter, mm -hmm. you are, you are antsy for that to be like the fun, juicy grab that makes no, sense. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I'm, yeah. I'm just throwing it out as yeah, an yeah. idea because I don't know NRA that I, well. I, no, I, 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 I don't think interested it's there. in it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's there. But there, there's a mild argument for it. But I mean, I would, I would rather get ahead on leadership. I probably wouldn't pick Diplo over Imperial unless it made a lot of sense with the planets in my slice or whatever. Um, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That 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 is kind of a question mark. Um, but you're rarely faced with that question, basically. Now we have to talk about exploration. Um, and uh, honestly, that could be a whole thing. And it's not we could just talk about this forever. So I actually really want to oversimplify stuff here. And, and maybe that'll annoy people. Um, but the reality is you you explore <laughs> like you would do explore everything that we've talked about in the last few episodes about relics and relic fragments and exploration as a mm -hmm. whole you do it all better because you get to choose stuff when you have mechs so it's not a wildly complicated concept that you're just you're exploring better than everyone else but what we have to talk about is the difference in a game with exploration tech and without exploration tech and also how to optimize your exploration right yeah 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So if you don't get Scanlink and you don't get prefab arcologies, you had no tech skips in your slice and you don't even have industrial planets in your slice. So it's rare that you're going to find more tech skips, right? That And that happens. Sometimes it's just all hazardous and cultural planets and you got to live with that. That's fine. Um, so with no tech that you're going to go for, uh, it, it's decently likely that you might just decide to like go heavy blue or something and rely on your agent and commander. And you can just be really, really aggressive um, and you need to focus on upgrades and mobility to to get access to more exploration that you actually need you're not going to just sit in your slice all game you're actually going to explore other people's stuff throughout the duration of the game that is definitely a valid strategy to go for um, especially as you get more uh, upgrades you know ai dev actually starts to do more work on the economic side of like builds you know you get three upgrades oh cool that's three bucks off of every build that i do all game long and that three bucks can be put towards n to new things or even more ships or whatever. Um, but if you do get Explore Tech, you can just chill. You can chill in your slice all game long. And that's why we like, don't go for Mechatol. Maybe we get one Equidistant or maybe we get no Equidistance. And we just juice and beef up our slice as much as possible. And you just keep getting more and more extra income and more extra units from all the exploration that you're doing. Um, and the only downside to that is when especially mean control objectives force your hand, which I've, I've right. seen happen, you know, six planets outside of your home, um, three tech skips. If you don't have the right slice for it, that those will force you outside of your slice and you'll have to decide when you want to do those. But I absolutely encourage you to do those late game because you can sit in your slice and beef up and get scarier and scarier and scarier plastic until then in round five, you push out with fleets that are just unstoppable by almost yeah. everyone else's standards. Or the flagship and mech. Uh, exactly. You can always kind of transition into that. Yep. Um, so outside of which of those kind of two divergent paths we're going down, our biggest decision is where to put our forward space dock. Because what you really want is a, a single forward dock on a four or more resource planet, which is what I'm is because you put an attachment on it, right? You put you put a plus right. one or two on something like a biz and made it a four or five, right? That's what we yeah. ideally want. And you'll hear people talk about, oh yeah, you just do that and then you win the game. It's like, okay, well, but you don't always get the attachments where you want them. Uh, but you're more, but Matt, you're more likely you, to be able to do sure. that than anybody else. That means you can do it easily. If you're the best <laughs> at something, right. it means it's always doable automatically, Matt. Exactly. That's how it works. It sure does. Uh, culturals are also good in your slice because that's mining. That's even more stuff to mine for fragments. The way I hear people talk about this is you need, you want your space dock on either a cultural or a hazardous planet. Putting a space mm -hmm. dock on a, uh, industrial planet industrial. is generally going to be a waste because there are less attachments that boost the value it would have to like already have a tech skip and then get boosted value and the tech skip planets have low values so it's not very useful to look for key industrial systems for your space dock center but what you really want is a space dock center that is also your mining field where you would do right. most of your exploration i want to activate a single system scan link build Garvin gun in that system as well and get like tons of attachments tons of fragments tons of extra resources whatever it is like all kinds of stuff i want to do that one time per round and then use all my other activations for more useful stuff i don't want to have to active i'm not like titans where i want to activate my slice like three times in my own round to get all my mm -hmm. pds sleepers online and stuff like that i want to do one single activation in my slice that does everything i need to do 
at once. Yeah, that's cool, and I and and I like it. <laughs> Daddy, it's cool, like and it. I like it. Uh, we are also um, prioritizing early game, filling out our slice as fast as possible to figure out what kind of faction we are. I kind of keep reiterating this point of you actually don't know what faction you're playing until you get those early relics. And sometimes those early relics aren't economic benefits. And you're like, okay, I'm just playing kind of a vanilla Nazroka, but like I have an extra secret secret objective and that's cool. Or like I got the codex. But sometimes you play Nazroka and you get all of the weird game long stuff. You get to you get to tap a card to get strategy counters or you know to, to spend on secondaries and you have an, two extra commodities and stuff like that. You're playing a new faction now that you invented out of the relics that you discovered. <laughs> so I like to get that done really fast and like i said get like three relics out of the way and then start to soften up i've played games where i went hard on relics all game long and i didn't see the value i ended up with six or seven relics and the last three that i got did not change my game in any meaningful right. way um right so it's it's your first three relics that determine your game and then from there okay we'll we'll, we'll see what kind of game we're having and, and we'll do what we ha want to do and furthering that exploration throughout the game uh, spreading out mechs, putting a mech on one planet of each type so that at any point you could decide to Garvin gun. Oh, this time, actually, I want to do the industrial planet and I want to get two explorers out of that one because I'm farming for more fragments or something else. All of that helps serve your economy in general. And so you can kind of go heavy exploration in the mid game that feeds into a plastic advantage in the late game. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> this is, this, this is cool. I'm in, I'm, I am into it. Yeah. This sounds like a fun faction. It It's, it's fun. If not also overwhelming with, you end up with so many abilities to remember because of relics and you, and, yeah. and you're deciding, do I use this fragment for a command counter right now to pull off something in round three that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do? Or do I save it and try to get another relic fragment that matches it so that I can get a relic and see what that does? Or do I save it to be a command counter stall in the last round? You have all these decisions mm -hmm. where you're like, you could rethink it forever, right? And re you could replay your hand all game long and be like, oh, if I had actually decided to do this at a different moment, you have so much flexibility that every decision feels like a butterfly effect you can never walk back. Right. Uh, I have a question. Are there any relics that w you would say are maybe more useful in NRA's hands, like any special yes. NRA considerations for some relics People in particular? People love to talk about the idea that Crown of Thalnos drastically increases in value in NRA's hands. And it's a pretty Which good one is argument. That? Crown good, of Thalnos good. is the re-roll, where you kill the unit if it doesn't mm -hmm. score a hit. But remember, your mechs are special from other mechs, and they roll two dice. Mm -hmm. Your mechs may have mm -hmm. already scored a hit, and you get to re-roll the other hit, and there's no risk of losing that mech. So your mechs Ooh, on the fine. ground with Crown of Thalnos can be absolute slaughters <laughs> nutty yeah. yeah that's pretty nutty so crown like of thalnos goes from like maybe our least favorite pick to like ooh, that's like a mid-level that's a good relic uh for the nazroka yeah. yeah that's that, that's cool that is actually that surprised me i didn't i didn't realize that yeah and and um, with the flagship add into that that's even more right you get you get one hit you re-roll the two misses for three hits you like never miss with your max on the ground basically yeah um also i just want to mention uh, this might be kind of obvious at this point, but we we definitely waited to do the exploration episode before yeah. we did the NRA episode. If you're feeling at this point that you are uh, an hour and change into an episode <laughs> and you are overwhelmed, <laughs> yeah, 
and you and you feel overwhelmed at this point, I would recommend you go back to that exploration episode because that will really, uh, I think, I think very much help um, yeah. you. Yeah, it's kind um, of necessary research to get into this episode because there's a lot of assumptions that we are building on based on just the knowledge of how exploration goes for all factions, and an NRA is just better than all the other yeah. factions at it. Um, yeah. Okay, it's Ooh. tech time, baby. Uh, and this is the section I am the most scared of uh, because everyone's got hot takes on tech. So I, I, I genuinely want to preface all of this with if I don't bring something up that you really like and have seen done very well in games, I'm not saying it's not good. And I and, and it probably is because the reality with Nasroka is it's, it's all good. Uh, you can't. You actually can't make very many wrong decisions <laughs> with the Nasroka. Uh, tech is all. You you can just let your tech skips guide you, and as long as you aren't buying a bunch of wasted tech that we know doesn't have very good value, it's all good. Like buying good tech as Nasroka is good. So let's yeah. start with that understanding. But we have okay. some other ground rules we can go off of to try to like build out a clear cut identity. Is, is the way I really want to think about this. Because um, you could just like get a bunch of hodgepodge stuff and do great stuff with it. But there are a couple of tech paths that are like, we are going to play a specific way if we decide to mm -hmm. go down this tech path. So first and foremost, I have to start with patience as a virtues pre errata that we got. Uh, it is more or less a bunch of ideas I had already been trying to iron out. And when he listed it all out, I was like, yep, that's everything I wanted to say. Like, that's it. I mean, basically, Patience is a Virtue wrote this text section uh, at the same time I did. And they, he did it so much more succinctly. Uh, so let's just do that. Also, there's a there's a graphic that you should check out on our Discord. I'll, I'll try to remember. I have it highlighted here. I'm going to try to remember to link it in the show notes for this episode. But there's a graphic that perfectly encapsulates what you're going to do with tech. But let's go over some ground rules first. Uh, so first, uh, these are these are patience's nine points about tech. First, NRA morale boost faction tech, the supercharge, supercharge is garbage. I don't even know the name of the thing. That's what patience said. We tried to well, talk it up a little bit more. Patience, it's called supercharge. <laughs> uh, prefab is very situational, and as discussed uh, above, I don't have his notes. It means you are often foregoing mobility and unit upgrade options. But around one or two green skip might change my mind. I agree with this very, very much. Our actual focus as Nasroka is mobility over everything else. Prefab is a fun economic gain that we don't, in quotes, need. It is great. Would you call it a win more? It's, Would you call it's it a, a win little more? bit of a win more, especially with how far down the line it is to get to, right? We, we have to invest heavily in it, and that puts us out of the way of other things we could have got. Getting prefab means getting less mobility overall and we'll talk about I... mobility more later mobility unit upgrades are almost always patience's tech priority dreadnought two anchored fleets are almost always better than cruiser two anchored fleets unless you can afford five or more command counters in fleet although nazaroka mechs make this more debatable and i would also argue nazaroka's healthy command counter economy makes the extra fleet pool more debatable so dread 2 versus cruiser 2 is actually a very valid debate to have with yourself in each game you are having uh, as nazaroka both i think are very very valid uh i have almost entirely abandoned carrier twos and fighters as fleet anchors in prophecy of kings destroyer 2 is so easy to get so cheap and they easily shred fighter-based fleets 
I absolutely agree with this. I actually didn't do a lot of testing with Destroyer 2 myself, but I can just see the benefits. And again, it's the exact same situation as Cruiser 2, where you can just research Carrier 2 at any point, whenever you want to, doesn't matter. Um, so this similarly is with that fleet supply thing. As long as you have a healthy fleet supply, Destroyer 2s are probably better than Carrier plus Fighter screens. There are other unit upgrades. We, we likely want more. Um... Coming back to prefab in the late game can be a game-winning maneuver for spends or just to have the cash to beef up defenses. Definitely agree with this. Sometimes you luck yourself into more green skips and you didn't need to focus on prefab early, but you can get it in round five and make a win, winning move out of it. Doesn't matter. Prefab is good to research at any point. So just because you didn't go for it early doesn't mean you can't go for it late. Uh, it is not that sort of hunter. It's not like a hypermetabolism situation is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Cruiser 2s and Destroyer 2s are always on demand as needed for NRA, and this is one of their significant assets. Completely agree. Uh, tech skips from exploration can really open up possibilities regardless of your initial path or plan, including War Suns, Integrated Economy, Assault Cannon. Agree on all points. You 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 start with one tech path in mind, but Nazroka actually gets to completely divert their tech path and choose a new one midway through the game if the stars align for them. Right. And finally, blue tech, gravity drive, fleet logistics, and light wave should always be under consideration for almost any faction. And Nazroka flagship plus mechs makes this particularly true. 100% agree with a bullet. If anything, the existence of Nazroka's flank, uh, f flagship makes gravity drive almost an essential get for me because the power behind that ship is so good. We want gravity drive very, very, very badly to make it be able to get to places it otherwise wouldn't have gotten to. Right. Okay, so let's actually talk about tech paths a bit. Um, first off, let's reiterate again, Cruiser 2, Destroyer 2, always an option. Look at your round, decide if this is the round you get it. So, so within all of these tech paths, you can insert Cruiser 2 or Destroyer 2 into any round if it, right. if it is necessary. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like you're at a party and Cruiser 2 and Destroyer 2 are just like hors d'oeuvres yeah. <laughs> that you can just snatch off of a, off of a plate <laughs> if you're like, you know what? Could go, wasn't really thinking about Cruiser 2 before, but you see that planet over there? Mm, yum, 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 yeah, yum. And exactly. then you snatch it up and you start nibbling on it because it's an hors d'oeuvre and you're at a <laughs> fancy party. And you're a fancy person and I like you. Uh, so let's talk about if you have no tech skips. You have a bunch of hazardous and cultural planets in your slice and there's just nothing else you can do about it. These are my suggestions. Round one or two, Scanlink. Why do I say round one or two? You started with three resources. There are round ones where you don't get tech. Live with it. Deal with it. It's fine. Just build more units. It's not a big deal. Get tech round two, but you are a round behind, and that's whatever. But that's How often is that going to happen, though, you think? Because you have strong trading potential, right? You like have people decent trading, trading potential, and you have the ability to get money off of a decent amount of explorations like your hazardous planets you might get a trade mm -hmm, good your mm -hmm. your industrial planets you might get a commodity that can turn into a trade good there are ways what really ends up determining that is the tech timing you may not be able to make the money happen in time to pay for the tech yeah yeah um, but any blue tech faction is probably teching right away to get gravity drive and do fancier stuff and you're just going to be left out and that's fine it's fine um so we're calling it round one or two you get scan link uh, round two or three, if you have no skips, we're going to still go down blue tech, and it just sucks that you have to get AMD or DET, anti-mass deflectors 
or dark energy tap and you have to look at your map i i literally can't pick one universally for either for, for you uh probably dark energy tap is more useful more often than any mass deflectors mm-hmm. but if you have the it right also it synchronizes with what we do a little a better. little bit I mean, you like... can get we're not doing the same kind of exploration it's actually out of our way to go explore empty space because we would rather be mm-hmm. hitting planets with every single activation we ever do but sometimes the DET stuff, oh, it's a white relic fragment that en- enhances our stuff. Or it's another secret objective draw that really makes us even better. So there are value. There's value in DET. And the retreat potential is better generally than the uh, the minus one to space cannon. But we said earlier, we are afraid of space cannon a little bit. So there are, there are worlds where the asteroid fields are in the right spot and we have a PDS faction that we would like to worry about just a little bit less. So mm-hmm, I would put mm-hmm, DET mm-hmm. slightly above AMD in this situation. If we have a blue skip, we're never getting either of these techs unless it like is a forced upon us or whatever. So then okay. between rounds two and four, depending on how everything is shaken out, we get gravity drive, right? If we took tech round two, we get AMD into gravity drive. We, went, we want gravity drive as fast as we can possibly get it. And then after that, I would just invest everything in unit upgrades. You could even have gotten unit upgrades before any of this, right? You could get round two cruiser two if it's going to actually do more for your game immediately. But then getting AMD and gravity drive means AI dev can get almost any upgrade in the game, right? Mm-hmm. You have green, red, and two blue. There's almost not the only thing you can't get is space dock two, basically, and sure, and warsus, and who cares? Yeah. Um, so in for me, my pecking order is dread two, and then fighter two and then carrier two, and then infantry two. That's the order I would like to fill out the rest of my upgrades. Uh, Is there a world where maybe we just say dread two and then move on to deep blue? I mean, I almost feel like that makes more sense to me. Yep, 100%. Um, uh, Deep blue, we're going to talk about in a second because I like it a little bit more with a blue skip, and I would rather just get the mobility on the upgrades themselves that then can also Mm -hmm. feed into the economic benefit of AI dev. So I personally would rather invest in a lot of um, upgrades, but it, it totally depends. And there's obviously times when you look at it and you go, you know, light wave and fleet logistics are going to be juicy here coming up. So I'll just go for those. Um, so let's talk about, oh, also I said dread two fighter two carry two infantry, all of that also cruiser two and destroyer two are, are still above most of those. Like you, you still fit those in, in different places, destroyer two rules and please don't forget about it. Uh, yeah. So your other tech path option is if you have a blue skip, especially if you have a blue skip like adjacent to home, where you're going to get that blue skip and have it available to you round one. Now you would really like to do tech round one if you can find a way to get the money for it. Um, so round one or two, you do gravity drive, and then you do either carrier two or dread two. Um, Patience said he wasn't hot on carrier two. I don't mind it as much, especially because it's just more. I'm not doing it for like heavy fighter screens. I'm doing it because I just need to get my mechs and a couple infantry and then like two fighters for soak just out there. It's just more about the mobility than anything else. Yeah, that's something I was going to say when when you were reading the part of patients talking about uh, Destroyer 2 kind of canceling out the uh, old school carrier fighter uh, backbone. I don't feel like that debate is settled, but yeah. definitely the scales are tipping towards Destroyer 2. Yeah. Or actually, it's not even that the scales are tipping towards Destroyer 2. It's Destroyer 2 is making the other one much less viable than it used to be. But I don't I don't think... I, we're not done. That's yeah. not the last word. For sure. Um, so we, we get one of those mobility things, depending on what we've decided to build. We can look for more upgrades, but Blue Skip is where we absolutely invest in the Fleet Logistics Light Wave route. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we go Gravity Drive into Fleet Logistics into Light Wave. 
uh, and we are going to have a very mobile, very diverse uh, end game where we just like pop wherever we want to go. I mean, there's there are juicy worlds where you have gravity drive cruiser twos with light wave that just go do whatever they want with a mech or two. <laughs> Uh, is there is there room for a uh, sling ray in here somewhere? Because we're we're a, a stall beat, and I feel like yeah, uh, having another stall in the mix is not the worst idea. I think it's a waste of time. Um, again, I mean, we're talking about a world where you know games end so fast that you're you're getting you're very limited on the amount of tech you can get. Right? Like what you research mm-hmm. four or five techs in a game of POK. That's like all, right, a- unless you get extra stuff, which definitely. Nasroka can get extra stuff. They have the capabilities of pulling off extra stuff uh, with with tech, with their hero and with Maul Worlds. But uh, Sling Relay is not what I would put my focus on um, if I had. Yeah, the maybe not with momentum. a with a deep blue. Yeah, but maybe uh, maybe Sling Ray has a place in uh, like a like a War Sun yeah, pivot. Definitely, you know? yeah, something like that. Uh, next up is the Green Skip, where we're really talking about prefab. I want to make an extra point here to say having a Green Skip is not the only requirement you need to saying, oh, I'm definitely going for prefab this game, but you almost never are going prefab arcologies without a green skip. So it is the first prerequisite uh, because you start with psychoarcologies. A green skip means you can then research hyper and then research prefab. If you somehow have two green skips, okay, yeah, cool. You're doing prefab without any questions asked. Mm -hmm. Um, But with a single green skip, you still also have to make sure you have a solid forward space dock, um, a good planet worth refreshing often. Uh, I've had games where best I still had in my slice was two resource planets, and it didn't feel like prefab was actually doing the work people talk about it's capable of doing. Um, the idea of doing like a five resource abyss and then refreshing it and getting those $5 back to do something else. Yeah, that is undeniably like one of the better abilities in the entire game. Um, but without that, it, it's a lot of tech to go down to down through for not as much benefit. And we've removed all of our mobility. So let's talk about the path. Uh, I think you need to do scan link first because prefab arcologies is only as good as the amount of exploration you can do, right? The more we scan link, the more I'm refreshing planets to then actually utilize prefab without scan link prefab is only being used on your commander, and your agent. And if you're not going heavy aggressive enough, it's only being used on your agent, which is not enough. Your agent and prefab arcologies is not enough to make a game. Um, I have a... Th- I have to... I gotta... I gotta... I gotta throw something in here. Okay. So, why not hyper first before scan link? Because we're not really gonna be able to use scan link until round two anyways, right? I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I, 100%. I've had games, I I think this is maybe weighted by the idea that we are seeing a lot of prelims map play and Mm Nasroka, it's very often you end up in uh, the yellow yellow slice slice where the green skip is two away from you. So you just don't have the green skip round one. So if it's, if a green skip is adjacent to home, yeah, hyper, hyper round one. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Hyper, then scan link, then prefab. I don't see the value in getting prefab before you have scan link though. It's too limited in its potential um, to, to actually serve you that many favors. Unless you see a way in round two that you need to do an economic objective that it's going to benefit you immediately that round. Otherwise, scan link is the investment you need to make first. 
Matt, but what about in a Christmas land where we our uh, first activation we get two green skips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have get prefab. Two. It's great. Okay, cool. Pre, uh, prefab going into your initial explorations, readying every planet you take in your slice. Is That's pretty cool. Hot dog town. Come on down. Let's go chomping. This is great. Uh, it's super. Let's good. go chomping. <laughs> That's something I'm gonna say once once the world comes back to normal, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm out on the t- I'm painting the town red. I'm gonna say let's go chomping. Let's, go let's chomping chomp on, on down to that dogs. place. Uh, after you get prefab. It is all about mobility in whatever way you can, whatever makes sense. If you found a blue skip, get gravity drive. If it's all about uh, upgrades, do upgrades. Get mobility, please. Please, you need mobility. You have to be able to, in rounds four and five, go take stuff from other people. Probably. And let, I mean, Maybe. whatever, man. Sometimes there's all yeah. economic objectives. And yeah, you could just sit in your slice and stock up all game long. And it's like the most boring game of TI you've ever played. But whatever. you're going to be good at that anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's why it makes sense to say that you should pivot towards mobility regardless yeah. of objectives currently being out. Like, you're going to need something. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do it. You know, well, I mean, yeah. So there's going to be games where you can do it with no mobility, but those games you are probably going to win anyways, or at least be in contention anyway. Let's throw out the like idea. Let's throw out the idea too that you'll probably need mobility to win slay. You might not be the only person in contention. So even if you can sit in your slice and win, you may not have the timing advantage of someone else and need to go kill someone so that you can then win. That is definitely okay. a reason to invest in that mobility that isn't really even costing you that much. You should do it. Yeah. You, you gotta move. Yeah. You gotta move. You gotta move. Uh, next up is if you have a red or a yellow skip. I'm counting this as one category. Red really doesn't do that much for us. Like, okay, yeah, I can get Duranium on my mechs. But as we oh my s- god, Matt, are you seriously going to down talk Duranium and then we have to get the the I know the Duranium errata? Well, here's the here's the reason I'm down talking is we've already had it. We've talked about it, and we've already talked about the case where Duranium isn't as good for a single combat. It's good when you're doing a combat over and then doing another combat, which is why Duranium is pretty cool for Nomad, right? Nomad flagship mm-hmm. mechs running around the gal, you know, gallivanting across the galaxy. That rules. Just having Duranium on my mechs is fine. The bigger question is where are we going with going down red like this? Obviously, it means we're probably going for War Suns, right? Okay. Well, we probably want a red and a yellow skip for War Suns. Um, Maybe we do scan link into Duranium into War Suns, and that's fine. And I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't test it. I, d- I played six games as Nazroka. I did all the other stuff. I did everything but War Sun Nazroka, and I'm sorry. This is my failing yeah. as a, well, as I a think commentator. I, I, I want to say for the record, I think NRA is better than most yes. when it comes to doing War Suns. Definitely. I think that's fair to say. I want to throw out a special mention, too, of if you only have a yellow skip, there's definitely some viability for scan link into transit diodes. That's delicious. Ooh, that's cool. Transit yeah, dioding transit is cool. your mechs to wherever you need them and then scan linking. You transit at the t- start of your turn, then you activate a system and you explore on that planet that you need it to. That's juicy, flavorful fun. But uh, it might be slowing down all of the other tech we also need. If you're getting transit diodes before any of your mobility, you've probably gone down the wrong path. Yeah. Honestly, I I like the idea. Uh, well, the, what I don't like about Duranium is that it doesn't help your mechs when they're in the air. We should say that. Yeah. That's kind of the obvious point. Exactly. Because they lose sustained damage when they're the Z Eidolons. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I would say is that I feel like if I'm just drafting a, a red-yellow uh, thing, I kind of just want War Suns and Assault Cannon, which is like yeah. kind of I'm coming into the shop and wanting the, pricey, the things on the top shelf only. Right. 
but I I don't really feel like anything else sounds that great to me. Yeah, I I agree completely. Two red skips would be a juicy world to live in as as uh, as Nazaroka. Okay, let's talk about Maw of Worlds because <laughs> you have to because you have an increased chance of drawing it. And what are you what what do you want? What if you if you get Maw of Worlds? What do you want? Maw of Worlds is the relic where the start of the agenda phase. You say I don't want to play in the agenda phase today. I I I no longer wish to take part. Instead. I'm getting whatever tech I want, anything. You just gain it. There's no researching involved. It does. Prerequisites don't matter. So if you could get any tech in the game, what do you get? Uh, so first off, if we went all of these other worlds and we didn't get prefab arcologies, you can get prefab arcologies, right? So let's just do that. Mm -hmm. Let's just get prefab arcologies instead. Um, and that could be a major boon to your round four or round five. Uh, next cool. up... Boy, I, I got to drive home integrated economy again. Uh, integrated with your commander, it's just super cool. Uh, if you did go the prefab route, absolutely get integrated economy. That w Without even thinking about it. If I have prefab and I get my worlds, 100% of the time I'm getting integrated economy because the ability to pull off ridiculous maneuvers is just too high. Uh, it's too much potential. Um, and then the last up would be like getting light wave or fleet logistics. It's also worth mentioning that getting a very, very early, like getting a round one Maw of Worlds, the first couple planets you explore, you get two cultural fragments, the first relic that you get is Maw of Worlds. Get Lightwave Deflector, and then use Lightwave Deflector as the prerequisite for Gravity Drive, and build the rest Ooh, of your blue And send us a picture yeah. of you doing that. <laughs> Wait, I want to see your tech sheet, yeah. and Lightwave is the only is the one bottom. in blue, and then the second picture you place Grav Drive above Lightwave. <laughs> Uh, that's I'm putting a bounty out on that one. Yeah. Send it to me. Yeah, basically, don't fake it. I'll know if you fake it. Uh, uh, early Maw of Worlds equals your blue tech skip in that situation, basically. Um, and then last up, but maybe not last, but maybe just depending on what you have going on in your life, uh, assault cannon. You know, we talked about it with maybe two red skips, but if it's your Maw of Worlds, that's also uh, definitely fancy. Um, the idea that you send a single cruiser and a single destroyer with a mech, which goes into space and then activates assault cannon and kills whatever's in the space you went to attack, that's a sniper squad. That's very cool and very good and worth having. Um, so I don't hate it. I hate nothing about it. If you have gravity drive and cruiser two, three movement little sniper squads are dope. Uh, and, that's and funny I stand that that mech... That's funny that that mech counts as a non-fighter yep. ship. It sure do. That's, that's a little silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daddy thinks that's silly. <laughs> okay. It is trade and meta time. Um, there's there's plenty to still cover here. Oh, my God. I just looked at the time. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yep. Nope. I feel fine. Everything is fine. Trading and meta. This is we. This is where we can get mathy if we if we really wanted to. Um, we can get very calculated. Uh, but let's start easy. Let's let's get the basics out of the way. People want black market forgery. They want it because they want to not spend three relics on a fragment. Three fragments on a relic. Uh, and honestly, <laughs> you want that for them. You want more relic fragments at your disposal to get relics. So anytime somebody spends three. That's one you could have had. You could have given them black market forgery to buy a relic with two for their third, right? That, that That's like kind of a way to think about it. It's like, you have three cultural fragments. Give me one. You still get the relic and I'll and I, like I'll pay you for the relic fragment or whatever. That That's like a basic little deal you could pull off. 
So realistically, well, how much does that cost? Exactly. How much is it? What everything then becomes because of black market forgery is how much does a relic fragment cost? And let me propose three prices for you. First off, <laughs> two trade goods. Your fra your fragments are a command counter. Your fragments equal a command counter, which is sort of like two trade goods if we're doing magi math, right? It's like two trade goods. So if you ever get offered two trade goods for one of your relic fragments, you jump on it. <laughs> That's the best price you're ever going to get. Uh, I, I mean that to buy someone else's. Sorry. If 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 someone's offering you their relic fragment for two trade goods, do it. It's so good. That's what what a wonderful price or the equivalent of two trade goods. Basically, you're getting a steal. You're robbing them uh, because realistically, uh, command counter costs three trade goods, right? Three influence or whatever. I don't know. So three trade goods is actually more of the baseline on a normal game. If, if I'm coming up to the table with someone, I'm telling them, hey, I'll buy your relic fragment for three trade goods because that's actually prob probably fair. Realistically, your relic fragments are worth four trade goods because that relic fragment by itself is a stall and then a command counter outside of leadership or status phase. It's a command counter on your terms. So it's worth four or five trade goods. So if you are selling one of your own relic fragments, you should never take less than four trade goods, in my opinion. Because it's, it's yeah. it, in your own hands. If a relic fragment that you already have is worth too much to do less than four trade goods for. Well, is there maybe another way to say this? Like, just maybe don't sell your own relic Probably fragments. Probably not. You're, you're trying to yeah. just get them, you know? Yeah. You buy them up. You're, you're in the buy-in zone, yeah. not the selling. Now, there's a world. The reason we're dis determining these values is because sometimes people come to you and go, hey, what about a relic for a relic? I have a cultural relic fragment and an industrial relic fragment. You have a cultural relic fragment and an industrial relic fragment. If you gave me your cultural and I gave you my industrial and you gave me black market forgery, we can both get a relic. That mm -hmm. is that is fair, except for you're giving them black market forgery to pull this off, right? Realistically, a relic fragment is worth a relic fragment, so you should just do that swap. But the only reason they want to do that swap is so that you can both get a relic. Sometimes, depending on the game state, you just take that deal, no questions asked, whatever, okay, fine. But you're actually losing in that case. You probably should get a trade good or two for them to have access to that relic they otherwise wouldn't have got. Oh, I think I I I a hundred percent think that this when people propose this, they are uh, doing a little bit of uh, sleight of hand. Yes, and what they're what they're saying is that one deal is a single deal when actually you're proposing two deals. Yes, you're proposing a fragment swap, and then you're wanting to uh, Get purchase. Off the top. Yep. Yeah, black market forgery. I, I I'm with you that black market forgery. Uh, you don't need to be stingy with it because you get like you you did a really good job at the beginning of the section outlining. There's a sort of implied extra value you're getting every time someone cashes in two instead of three yeah. that's another one out there in the wild for you you to go discover and i think that's a good reason to not be very stingy with black market forgery you want people to buy it from you yeah yeah and, and the other side of it too is don't let people hold you over a barrel with this people are going to come to you and be like well you know you could just get you could i could get you the relic fragment you want and you can get me the relic fragment i want and otherwise i'll just go find a third relic fragment like whatever i don't need oh you. no you won't that give, is bs give, they yeah. absolutely won't it is so much harder for everyone else in this game to find relic fragments they are holding you they are pretending that they have some sort of leverage over you that they 100 don't have in all deals regarding relic fragments you have the leverage and 
you should make more out of that deal because everyone yeah. else wants your goods. So let's get this into this. This is that. your frac yeah. fraction. This is what you're good at. I almost called it a fraction. You're a fraction. <laughs> this is your fraction. Yeah. Uh, so let's get a little bit more into that game theory. We, we sort of covered it, but if uh, essentially every single relic bought at three fragments is a fragment that you can't buy or use, right? So you want people to use two fragments so that you can steal their third one. So you have an incentive to let everyone cash in on two. So sometimes you let black market forgery be a cheaper price than it realistically should be because you might be able to nab a fragment outside of that. Sometimes it's not even a third fragment they already have. It's the potential of getting the third fragment that they otherwise wouldn't have spent because sometimes they have two culturals and they could go buy a third cultural from Muwat or something, right? You yeah. don't want that to happen. So you would rather let them cash that in and you go buy the fragment from Muwat. I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to, I'm, because I'm, I'm going to get, Hunter's going to get uh, puffy and opinionated. <laughs> I think the black market forgery is just so, like because you want them to use it so that there are more fragments out in the wild for you to go get. Uh, it's just not worth that much. Right. Like, it's not worth nothing. Right. Do not give it out for free. Right. I would never say that. But it, this is not, this is a, this, the power in this promissory note doesn't have to do with its ridiculously high value a la uh, uh, research agreement. Right. This is more just like, this guy just goes. Uh -huh. People just want it. And you want to sell it, so so sell it. You know, yep. uh, don't give it up for free. And and I, I'm not saying that the one trade good is yeah. like the set price for it. No. But, but I've done that. <laughs> you you want to make the deal yeah. at the end of the day. Exactly. I have done the one trade good. If I can tell the person's being stingy, if I'm up against a Brian who's going to name me one price and then walk away, all right, you named a fair price. Here's, I'll do it. <laughs> here's another way you can do it. If somebody happens to get three before you get black market forgery in their hands, yeah. uh, ma make it real cheap and give me that fragment. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. I'll give I'll give you black market forgery for free if I can get a fragment. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, that's the one area. That's the one area where you don't have any leverage. If they already have three fragments. Yeah. You are buying that fragment, so you're giving them black yeah. market forgery and you're giving them a trade good or something like that. Right. Which is why you want to cut it off the second somebody gets two. Yeah. Start talking to them. Exactly. Agree on a price. Make it happen. Yeah. You don't the want them to sale. end up with three fragments because then you lose all. Your, of your leverage that's exactly right um okay the last trade meta thing i want to talk about i don't want to talk about for very long but let's real quick i said earlier we would talk about dmz and it has been an hour and a half and i promised you so let's talk about the demilitarized zone it's a cultural planet and you're allowed to trade it which means when you trade it another person gains control of it you have a commander that when you gain control of a planet you get to explore it if you give your alliance out to somebody they can also explore it in the agenda phase Oh my per god. Agenda, no. no. Per agenda. No. Per agenda. Oh my god. You can do a swappy swap. You can go, you give me the DMZ and then I give it back to you. And then we do that. And we just we do that twice per agenda phase. And we both get, oh my we god. get four Dane, explorers. Hey, Dane, <laughs> Dane. This uh, Matt found something that you shouldn't be able find to this. do. I didn't find this. It's stupid and it sucks. And honestly, I question what the other person is getting out of it by allowing you to do this. If the other person got the DMZ, they shouldn't say yes to you doing this. Realistically, what's happening here, because first off too, it's a cultural planet. It has to be a cultural planet because of the DMZ, which means freelancers 
And mercenary outfit is generally useless. Mercenary outfit, you can't put the infantry down. And mm-hmm. freelancers, you have to be building ships, and whoever actually controls that planet is the only one with ships above it, which means half of that equation is getting nothing out of freelancers when you do this little DMZ swap. So mostly, you get dead draws. What you two are really doing is searching for relic fragments. fragments. And yeah, so you're what you're actually doing is making a deal to say, listen, I'll pay you to do some stupid DMZ swaps because I want every relic fragment that you draw. That's what mm. you need to do, or vice versa. They have DMZ. You want to do swaps and go, okay, well, I'll help you get Relic Fragments if you pay me a lot. That is what your option is. It is not whatever this stupid, like, let's actually both just explore for a little bit. That is that is one-sided. You, you can't have a mech on the DMZ, so you're both only doing one exploration per activation. It, sure. But that's the last I'll say. I don't care about this thing, but it is a special mention thing. It's a goofy thing you can do. Have fun thinking about it. I hate it. I literally hate it. I'm so <laughs> mad that you even brought up that this exists because you shouldn't. You no, this doesn't thematically. This I, doesn't exist. Absol, Absol, get in here. What's going on thematically? <laughs> we DMZ if you do swaps. this, yeah, that's, this isn't. That's this makes two no guards sense. at the Korea border just like playing like pat. You know, they're they're just like playing hacky sack with each other. Is all the time. You know, I'm, I. I, I've never said this, but I'm pretty sure I have a rules filibuster because I have <laughs> like because I've set aside so much. I've never gotten in anyone's way when it comes to rulings. Uh, I accept what I'm told. Uh-huh. I'm a good little boy when it comes to to rulings. Dane and Milty tell me stuff, and I go by that absolutely. I do not argue with uh-huh. them. I do not push back. Okay, but this this is S T U P I D, my friend. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> it's almost as stupid as the Necro Barony Infinite Trade Good uh, wagon. We'll get into that someday. We'll talk about we'll talk about nonstop trade goods someday. Okay, let's let's talk about victory points and how you're you're really good at them. You're really good at this uh, board game. Uh, you get to be you get to choose your path. You get to be as nice or mean as your slice and the relics you early draw allow. Sometimes you get crazy relics where you're like, I get to punch people and I get to do it for free. Uh, Sometimes you get a slice (laughs) that lets you do the same. You just get so much money. You get so much plastic and you get to hurt everybody. Sometimes you're more of a homebody where your slice has a really great forward dock that you explore often. Um, And even in that situation, you get to still build up and then choose when you decide to go punch somebody really, really hard. But hitting is always an option in this game, which means control objectives, even though they are less efficient for you than all of the spendies and even to a certain extent the tech objectives, you're still good at them. Um, you just have to choose the timing for them. Don't don't get silly. Don't pull a mat and go for all of the control objectives round two or three and waste all of your uh, effort because what is more important to you is having a solid slice with units and especially mechs on a bunch of those planets so you can have a solid foundation for your exploring and your economy. It, that is significantly more important to you than lashing out and grabbing a, a control objective in round three. You can save those control objectives for the late game and probably have no difficulty scoring them. Yeah, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, it seems like, you know what I just realized? We have basically, uh, we did all the good factions first for yeah, the expansion. We did. Now, and now, now we're about we to get left. <laughs> yeah, we're getting are the questionable ones. I, I I agree. Although some of them not that bad. Uh, let me let me finish up some points here. You should do as much negotiating as you can, rather than raw muscle. 
uh, because if you don't solve your production bottleneck fast enough, early pressure from stronger factions can do damage to you. So don't think you get to just walk around. You don't have a big stick right at the start of the game. You can get a big stick by round four, but you do not start the game with muscle. Uh, you have to earn it. Um, and structures are maybe the only objectives that bum you out, and sometimes you find the relic solution for even that. So, like, literally no public objectives are a problem for you as long as you plan accordingly as they come out. Um, and then as far as secrets go, you want to get all of your secrets as fast as possible because knowing your relics and your hand of secrets determines how you do the rest of your gearing up. This is very much a faction that builds up for three or four rounds, and then the final round pulls off crazy stuff. I have seen multiple games where you score four secrets in round five and win the game because you just held oh, on to them and you planned for it correctly. So taking it a little bit slow I, I i i haven't won a game as nra yet but i've had multiple games where i was in a game winning position with a dice flip for the win literally in one case it was literally a 50 50 shot for me to just win off of pulling a shard of the throne or not um and everything else was going swimmingly for me it just you know didn't work out that's kind of how pok goes i'm learning to live with that i'm not good at it yet but i still get mad <laughs> But regardless, he does get mad. I do get I mad. I don't know. Do you guys know about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> but don't forget that you can get a late game secret off your hero or a late game tech or a late game structure. That hero fixes all the problems you may have had in like round three or four. So you have a lot of freedom to find the secret objectives that actually sing to you. If you get a secret objective in round two, that's like, oh, this is kind of awkward you could probably cycle it out of your hand eventually. You don't actually have to rely on that one too much. You, you will get more than three or even four secrets over the course of the game as Nasroka. That is decently likely for you. Awesome. So awesome, awesome. you have the tools for a great economy and you can find your way into even better means. So you don't have to be aggressive, but you're definitely able to switch into aggression whenever you feel you need to. Uh, it can be very easy to be objective focused while getting ahead in all of the other economies with your many, many tools, your command counter economy, your exploration that leads to economic boons, your prefab that makes you just like rich as all get out. But don't forget to solve your small problems, your production bottleneck and trapping yourself in an unnecessary exploration cycle will get you nowhere. If you just decide to do literally nothing but explore all game, you actually aren't going to get ahead. You're just going to have played a fun little exploration mini game with yourself. And that was probably fun, but you probably didn't win in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I forgot to—I I forgot that we haven't done Cabal yet. I keep thinking that we have done Cabal, oh, yeah. and and we haven't. So actually, we do have one uh, A tier. Hey, Hunter. Uh, great faction. I hate to tell but, you this, what? But what? all of the POK factions are really, really good, except for maybe Imperium. That's not true. No, that's not true. <laughs> I think Argent. Ar Ar I'm ready to dig. Argent is my uh, next faction, and I'm ready to dig into them because I, I think I'm gonna get to experience what is so cool. There, there are I die hard Argent fans out there, and Argent I'm is to see like what that's about. Yeah, Argent to me is like good extra. Exactly, that's always how I I've agree completely. Uh, I think yeah. I think Argent is extra that I might actually win a game with. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, my hope. Maybe. That's where I'm really, really, really hoping we end up. So. Uh, I want to thank all our weird bears. Farganess, TG Welch, Brian, BotBot, Kaluan, Squeamishy Moon, Son of Leto, uh, Mate Nason, John, Arwise, Absol, Ponchadori. And I want to thank our little Peace Turtles, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Gaskio, Dark Jutsu, Istoria, Brave Sir Robin, Uncle Batty, Frank G, Carnal, my son is also named Bort, Anvilir, Sam Lee, and Alice. Okay, so the Galactic Council poll is over. The winner was, is Arborex still the worst faction? Uh, Matt, when are we doing that? Because that's I, not what we got to do. Well, I'm at I'm some point. I'm full time with the show now, so we have like three yeah. extra days a week. 
to, to pull mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. off. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do it again. That's going to be an episode outside of the normal feed. Uh, I actually also have many plans for another episode within the next month that's going to be outside of the feed so uh what are you talking about it feels like we're going to start having a lot of episodes we'll get there you'll see you'll see what it is you're literally now you're full-time see this is why i said we don't have a dynamic (laughs) of i'm the boss because literally i knew this was going to happen you're like i'm full-time now so you just start doing so you don't ask me about it you don't say hey uh, w- would it be cool if we did this? You just, you just. No, do no, stuff. no. This is the thing you know about. Hunter. Every time I make any decision in this partnership, <laughs> I come to you and I'm like, "Is this okay? Do you think this is going to be good? I, I, I'm, I'm trying really hard here. What do you like it?" And you'll be like, "Oh, I'm going to give some no, feedback." No, I and then just like, Hunter, decide I, together. Hunter, I know you better than you're you like know starting yourself. new shows. I know in the that show. this epi- I know that this other episode is one you've already approved because I, I, I know you, Hunter, and I know your wishes and your desires. That's not how it works, Matt. <laughs> I can't have already approved something that I don't. Yeah. But no, you did. No, <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. I did not. Um, let's. So, what's the Twitch schedule for this week? Uh, this as far tournament, as, uh, tournament weekend games? is another Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is Friday, April second, fifteen hundred UTC on Space Cats Peace Turtles Twitch. Saturday, April third at nine UTC at Flat Tomatoes Twitch, and then Sunday, April fourth at fourteen UTC on Space Cats Peace Turtles Twitch. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we'll. We'll be there. That'll be prelims game. What? Uh, five, uh, uh, six, seven, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. Yep. There we go. Excited. Uh, for YouTube, more tournament games all the time. Oh, also big announcement for homebrewers guild. Uh, I did not get it. I did not get, you, you, you know, if you're listening to this, you'll notice that the homebrewers guild, uh, game did not happen. That's because I decided to reschedule it because things just weren't coming together fast enough um so the new date for the homebrewers guild game uh will be uh and and the the theme is still custom relics i'm not changing that um so that game is going to be on saturday april 3rd uh, at 1700 ish utc so just yeah kind of around that time i haven't got a specific time yet after flat tomatoes prelims game yes. that day and as long as we can get players together for it but we will try to make yeah. sure, we will not let it overlap with the prelims game that's happening that day we will make sure it happens after that yeah and uh next episode next regular episode of the show that is because you might be getting uh the galactic council uh special episode in between now and then but next episode of the show is when you'll get your announcements for a uh, new galactic council poll and new homebrewers guild topic yeah. Uh, um, but you can still submit relics. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that the door is still open for new relics since I haven't had the game yet. You you are still definitely entitled to submit new stuff. Yeah, you can uh, please give our show a rating on Apple Podcast iTunes. Uh, five star rating goes a long way in terms of I don't know algorithm stuff. You know how it goes. You hear you're part of the digital age. You know what this stuff means. Also, our website spacecatspeaceturtles.com is where you can find information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merch, all of these things. All of our community is what has built up for three plus years that have allowed hunter and myself to both be full-time with the show which we are deeply indebted to you all uh i I will say it doesn't stop there we would love to be able to do all of this very very uh comfortably We're, we're both doing this by because we really really want to but uh, we want to do this full time. Have I mentioned and... I'm like a hamster? Yeah. <laughs> Have I talked about that? I'm like a hamster. Yeah, we and... we want to we want to give Hunter a raise. So please, I'm a I forage. <laughs> I what I do is I go out in the woods 
and I forage and I can I eat bark. <laughs> Did you know you can eat bark? You can also make cool shoes out of like leaves yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of a mountain man. I don't know if you see if you haven't tuned into the the Twitch, you got to see me sometime because I'm I'm stinky. stinky well, I guess you can't really see that, but I I am very stinky. Uh, Hunter, you can see it. You can tell. Yeah, you can see, you the, can see the line. You can see the stink uh, lines. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pig it's pen. like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, what is what is our next up? What is our what's next week's episode, Hunter? I... Oh wow, we ran in. So we we kind of plan a monthly out. So I don't even know. Um, we have Mahawk coming up. Am I gonna be ready to do it next week? No way. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, big mystery episode next week. Can't wait. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>